0: This is Greg Pak, writer of Action Comics, Batman, Superman, and you are listening to Eleven O'clock Comics. Precision this week.
1: What's up with? I didn't have to anticipate anybody stepping up.
0: That's true. He does a lot of crawling Uh, intentionally. He likes to shit all over the CPS <laughs> because
1: he loves us.
0: Oh yeah, that's what it is. Like a tick. Sure. He
2: loves us like oh, a.
0: Did you buy the uh the
1: collection yet? I haven't. Of the tick. Oh the
0: tick? T- no, I haven't. I, I haven't had space. Know, I didn't have my well, I'm between jobs now, so I gotta watch. I, uh, yeah, but that'll be. Fun. Oh yeah. Well, that new change before the good. see. Then I'll be working for myself, which then i not have to worry about that, right? That's right? And unicorns, poop ice cream.
1: Like, all <laughs> tender <or> just... <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> my goodness. You know what snuck up, mommy? I didn't know that, um that it came out until I saw part five of seventeen last week. The, uh, the Dark Horse Life and Death series continuing the Fire and Stone stuff. Is it for a direct continuation it's, of it's, the it's the the Predator Life and Death is like 43 years after Aliens and 1 year after the last Fire and Stone story.
0: All right, so that is the status quo now. The Aliens, Predator, Prometheus, that's yeah, the way. I'm guessing, it's yeah. I don't mind that. I thought that those were very good stories. Agreed. Yeah. Some illustrated better than others. Agreed. Well, you'll have that. Yeah. You know,
1: the first yeah, one, the cool. Predator one is very much like, uh, the, the Mooney series. It's got, it's kind of got that kind of feel to it.
0: They should lock him down, Mooneyham. He's awesome. Yes. He belongs in those books, but he can probably make more bank at image. But what are you going to do? Hey everybody, 11 o'clock comics episode 425.
2: Damn.
0: Yeah. And I'm Vince B. Phone I am David A. Price and Woot! What's that sound? The silence of the boy not being here? Yes, Jason, Jason. has something much more oh, important.
1: Oh, see, to now do. our guest can, can introduce himself as that person. You say, no, you're not Jason Wood, you're... Oh, yeah, let's do that. Hey, who cares? We, we, we can wing it. <clears throat> Go. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Put him on the spot. <laughs> you're going to say, I'm Jason Wood.
3: Okay. And I'm Jason Wood.
1: Oh, oh, no, you're much better looking. Oh.
0: No, you are not Jason Wood, and smarter. You, everybody, some people know him as Willie the Pimp, but we call him... <laughs> Willie the Fimp? <laughs> Willie the, the Fimp. We call him Will Pfeiffer. Yes! Writer of great stuff, both mainstream and self-published. He's
1: awesome, and he's here with us for the entire episode. Yes,
3: I am. Hello, guys. Hey. hey. Good to be here.
1: He he is a great writer, but he is also one hell of a swell roommate. Yeah, the touching. I like the <laughs> touching. And the game touch. show network is is always. Oh. Fun, so. <laughs> and the, <and> the shrimp <laughs> and the and the shrimps and the farthest seven. <laughs> oh my goodness!
3: Mom memories. Yes.
0: You people don't know this, but um David and Will and myself were talking before we were recording, and David said, "You know, Will, Jason, and I take bets." <laughs> Whenever someone's not going to be here, we take bets in for the number of seconds before Vince says, "Let's get Will," and ends that. But
1: it's if there was, you know, hey, you got to have your favorites, right? That's the way it works. Well, it helps though when the favorites actually bring it. Oh, true. Will always exactly. So, I mean, you don't want just somebody's gonna be like, "And what do you think about that?" Oh, I read it; it was good. All right, well, let's go on to the next topic.
0: Yeah. We've had that, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, you know, I have another favorite that always brings it. Who that? They do bring it once a month, right? They, they bring it, <laughs> yes, discount comic <laughs> book service. They That's bring sure. it right to my door. I can order my books online. It's effortless and I get massive discounts such as this month you can get the first issue of Blue Beetle Rebirth. I am so jones for I this. Jaime Reyes and Ted Cord together. It's Not like right. a it's like stop. <laughs> it's like hard traveling Beatles
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Together again for the first time. You can get the first issue not for the cover price of two ninety nine, which kudos to DC for keeping the price to two ninety nine. That that's respectable. I like that. It's it doesn't hit my wallet like a sledgehammer. You can get it for one dollar forty nine cents. Mm. That's fifty percent off from Dark Horse. The Witchfinder, City of the Dead. It's a series. It's written by Mignola and Roberson. Art by the great Ben Stenbeck. Cover price three fifty. You can take Sir Edward Gray home, the first issue of which, for $1.75. And last but certainly not least from Marvel, these guys, Sanford Green, David Walker, doing it up crazy style on Power Man and Iron Fist. This is the first collection. It um calls issues one to six. Cover price is not bad for a Marvel trade, 1799, but that's not what you're gonna pay. No, because you're too smart. You go to dcbservice.com and you will get this for eight dollars and ninety-nine cents. That's crazy. That's that's nuts. That's little more than two issues. So dcbservice.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books, like we said, delivered right to your door. What could be easier? Their prices are insane. It's a Crazy Eddie vibe there.
1: Insane. You got Crazy Eddie in it. PA? You had him?
0: We got the commercials. Got the commercials from, from.
1: okay. Well, from yeah, the Channel 9. Right. Oh, the, yeah, WWR. Yeah. Lindsay
0: <laughs> Lloyd Young. You bet. Nice. And I always wanted to go to, to Crazy Eddie's, and then when I finally did, I'm like... Yeah, no, it's quite underwhelming. Is that all there yeah, is? It's, hey, it's, where's it's... the guy screaming? There's nobody screaming. He's in...
1: <laughs> He's helping. He's helping the Eddie family bring their money to Israel, so they don't have to get sued. All right, roll roll call, right? Drink roll call. Yes, guests can go first this week. Yes.
3: Okay, well, guys, I had big plans for this, but prepare to be disappointed. I am drinking all natural, Canada Dry Mandarin Orange sparkling seltzer water. What's What's
0: wrong with that?
3: I was gonna get some beer in that, and then I looked in the fridge and. all I wanted
0: was this. Well, see, knowing that you were gonna be here, I actually went out and got some mm. special so you know I won't let you oh. down the way you just let me down. Um I am drinking from the Trogues independent brewing company, the Troganator Double Bach beer. I have three of them. Nice. Which which means it's gonna get silly.
3: <laughs> okay. I expect nothing less.
0: <laughs> and uh I'm, I'm looking at the label here and the art style on the the illustration looks very familiar. It looks like Andrew McLean. Really? Yeah, but I'm, I can't be entirely sure. There, there are, there are things that are reminiscent of McLean's style, but I don't know. It's close, but not exactly, so I hesitate to say that it's him. But it's in the spirit, right? So there you go. It's this hairy guy with a beard and horns. He's the Troganator.
1: David, what do you? Doing? Uh well, it's it's an old standby, but it's it's one of your favorites, Vince. It's Redwood Creek, mm-hmm. Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh,
0: awesomeness! Classic. It awesome. is, and it makes him happy. And when he's happy, he speaks a lot, which is very good for the when you when you're doing radio. When David's <laughs> going to speak a lot, it's awesome.
1: It was it, it was nice that a couple when when the power went out a couple weeks ago and. Um, Jason mentioned how it's something was you even said you know something's missing and and Jason said that uh, you know, there are nights where all three of us are together, and I may not say much, but there's usually something in the background and and there wasn't any of that a few weeks ago and and, no. and
0: that's the thing, knowing you're there sometimes instigates well I can't speak for the boy. <laughs> Uh, for myself, it instigates me to say things, knowing that you'll hear them. When you're not there, he's not going to get it. Yeah, he's not. He's young. He hasn't read the same things you've read, which are the same things I've read, right? So you and I are on a more even keel than me and the boy. Yeah, Talk X Men. Wow, he'd be all yeah. over it, but I can't talk X Men. I don't.
1: I don't not care. Twenty four seven. Yeah.
0: No, no. I can talk cable. Yeah, that's you don't want to hear <laughs> Yeah, the even though he's the best mutant ever, but anyway.
1: But yeah. at least, at least, what some of the things I have to talk about are are it's actual paper, Vince. It's real. It's not right. digital. So the things oh, actually never exist. I'm not, dude. I'm <laughs> not. you had to fucking say that on the night I, I wasn't did. there. That's why you did it. I know. I, That's
0: why I said the thing about the anchors and I said the thing about the well, digital the thing because so
1: I we we we. we but it wasn't a slam. Exactly. Like there was yes. Back then, the, the digital I, it was, was needed digital. and and you know so they're not as. But I don't like digital. I don't like it. But to say that it's not, I, I, I get you right. know I I understand. I'm, I'm with Jason where it's like you know why am I spending five bucks for the same damn thing if I don't actually physically own it? But you have to keep in mind with that same five bucks you are you're you're also getting ads and in some cases you may have to wait. At least with the five bucks with digital, that's that instant gratification shit. That's no ads. That's Don't some, need I it, I understand yeah. that. No, you and I, I I get it. I absolutely get totally it. But I Not so much from a business standpoint, but you know, listen, why am I spending five bucks? Well, because you want to read it 20 minutes before the comic shop opens. And, and so you put up or shut up and, and that's, there's a whole, we can go on for days about it. I, I, you know, for me, content is king. I really don't care about the pack. I mean, we're not talking, I'm not, I don't want a digital artist edition, but if I'm just reading the latest issue of Deadpool, I may not need a physical copy of that issue. I just want to read the story.
0: Well, I'm very superficial, so I need to pay. That's true.
1: I ain't paying $5 for like. No, no, and you know, and it's, and, and it's a file, and you know, your hard drive could crash, and you know, your house could also catch on fire, you're losing all those comics anyway. There's just, there's, there's there's pros and cons with everything, but as far as the, uh, what you said about the anchors, there's nothing, it's, they were needed back then because of the printing process and the technology available to them. I, I think, I would not say anchors aren't needed because there are some artists who may need that that assist with an anchor. I would want somebody young, up and coming, to get the benefit of an established, experienced, veteran anchor. So this way, you know, it, it, it's a whole learning process. But I mean, to just, but I mean, yeah, that that young, up and coming artist could still just print; they could print from his pencils anyway, and and you know, the story's still out there, but. I don't, we, yes. we don't need to rehash it. That, that, that's, that's weeks old. That's okay.
0: I have a thank you. What you got? It just came today. Nice. I don't know why he did it, but I'm glad he did. Mr. Daniel White, the amazing Daniel White. What a great guy. He is. He sent me a copy of Ben Mars, The Book of Cave Tooth.
1: Hmm. Nice.
0: Yeah. He's like, you know what? I think this is going to go out of print real quick. I think you should have one because you'll love it. You love him. I want to give you this. I'm like, Okay, that's cool. Um, why God bless him that, that's amazing. but have you guys seen this? Nope.
3: Mm-hmm. I haven't seen
0: it it's it's a a series of full page Ben Mara illustrations. Um, but there is a narrative to it. Um, it It starts with um, this yes, fighter. <laughs> Killing this bug-like creature. And then um, the fighter gains a posse and a bitchin' sword. And they go on adventures and dungeon crawls. Um, He picks up a magic user and and becomes friends with the magic user and is gravely wounded at one point. And you know, for anyone who's played Dungeons & Dragons, there's always some potion of healing somewhere around. Right? So he takes a potion of healing and gets back on the horse And things happen. But all this from a series of full-page illustrations. Beautiful. Mara full-page. I mean, they're just amazing. I'm
3: looking at this right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: And it's the cover especially. um, The cover's in color and it's a wraparound. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not a wraparound. The cover um, featuring a statue of of the hero there's a Maxfield Parrish vibe on that cover. The color palette he uses in there is very Maxfield Parrish. And I'm like, you know, if you didn't know that Mara was a genius, and this is his his whole his whole vibe, uh if you didn't know he was a genius, you would think, man, there's things in this drawing that lend me to believe this guy can't draw very well, which is not the case at all. They're all intentional. Not so much in this book of Cave Tooth. That's kept to a minimum, but it's still Mara's, Mara-esque drawing, and it's great, and it's insane, and it's dungeon creatures and dwarfs hanging on the back of triple-eyed monsters and craziness. So I'm just going to go over this book another 50 or 60 times. Mm. So thank you, um, Daniel White, nice. and thank you, Ben Mara, for making this damn thing. It's it's crazy.
3: Nice. Yeah, it looks great.
0: Yeah, Mara's fantastic. I, I, I think he's way up there of, of the last, the guys within the last, like say 10, 15 years to really come up, mm-hmm. like, uh, Alexei uh, Ben Mara, um, Ed Pisker, they're, they're all exceptional in their own unique ways too. It's just, I think we're, we're, uh, waiting through a very, very important time in comics right now. And we won't know it until we've been through it and can look back and say, woof. That was awesome. Those guys were crazy.
3: Hey, uh, speaking of artists sort of in that, that, uh, era, did you see Jim Rugg did a cover for Beyond the Valley of the Dolls for Criterion? It was just announced today. No. Unbelievable. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh yeah, they're putting it on Blu-ray in two months and he did the cover and it's great.
0: Well, he's not the first, um, Indie artists to do a cover yeah. for Criterion, right? Didn't Dan Klaus did a couple, right?
3: Um, Klaus did a couple. Darwin Cook actually did some Criterions. Jaime did one. Um, oh, man. Uh, Sean Phillips has done a few. Yeah, they, they really tap well into the comic artists, and it's, it's just gorgeous stuff.
0: I had an in at Criterion at one time. Cause I was reviewing DVDs for my, my site that I had a, a bunch of years back and, and I, I, I managed to crack. It was very hard. Mm-hmm. If you were, if you were a reviewer, it was very hard to crack in a criterion and I did it and I had an in and I was getting screeners left and right. And then I wrote a review that kind of pissed off. Yes. The guy at criterion and I got. I got lopped off oh, the yeah,
3: list. Sucks.
0: But it was a good time while it, it lasted. I, let me tell you. The
3: column for the newspaper I would get every month I'd get an email and they'd say like, pick two of these. And oh, say, oh, mm-hmm. oh, it was beautiful.
0: Well, that's the thing. They wouldn't, I didn't get carte blanche. I didn't get everything. Right. I got the more experimental, borderline horror. And if the, when they put out Equinox, man, that was,
3: <laughs> that's great.
0: I, did you ever think You'd see the day when Equinox got released on a Criterion collection. I'm
3: sure, like two versions. It's like, I mean, yeah. two cuts of the movie, and oh
0: yeah. Yep. A- you are smart, Will Piper.
3: <laughs> hey, that's sitting on my shelf. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, comic books. What do we got? We got. We got a lot. We, that's the problem with this week. We have so much we don't know where to start. So let's just pick something. Do it. You're the man. What you got. What do I have? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. I want to alert the listeners to the fact that the new issue of Back Issue Magazine is up. Yes, it is. It's number 89. It's got an $8.95 cover price, but that's not what you're going to pay if you download it directly from the Tomorrow site. I think it's like, what, 4 bucks?
1: Something like that. Maybe $4.95, like but yeah.
0: Yeah, and it is... The best four dollars you'll spend because this issue focuses on Bronze Age adaptations. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Look at the contents page in this. Um, we have Off My Chest by Paul Kupperberg who looks at, um, comic characters that were made the transition to novels. There's an article on The Shadow with, um, Denny O'Neill, uh, Brian Augustin. It goes through the whole list of shadow books. So It started at DC, then it goes to Dynamite, and it goes to, you know, um, the Shaken stuff is in there. It is a very comprehensive look at the, the shadow. Um, Korak, ton of, Son of Tarzan, uh, with Len Wein and Frank Thorne. This is an amazing issue. We go into Worlds Unknown uh, over at Marvel. There's um, Super Cops. What else? 2001. Kirby's 2001 is profiled in here. Battlestar Galactica. Disney's Black Hole. Like this issue's crazy in the zone for me. It's all the stuff that, you know, we grew up with
1: this, with these books. I love Back Issue. Oh, Back Issue's great. It's probably my favorite Tomorrow's magazine.
0: Uh, Without a doubt. Yeah, I like Alter Ego, but he gets a little too golden age. (laughs) Like I wasn't around for that. Mm -hmm. So, my golden age so he was, was and she didn't know Right. <laughs> <I> no <know> Roy's <laughs> great, and it, but it's just like well, he's like hundred and twelve mm, now, he's like Methuselah, he yeah, is. um, Mike Kaluda and his uh shadow work is um profiled in here. they go into Frank Robbins, come on Will. oh hey I
1: picked up a yeah. it's, a, it's a Kaluda shadow cover,
0: isn't it oh, nice there's a bunch of Kaluta. oh on the on the front, yeah, yeah Kaluda cover, so but Robbins is a little creepy looking. Creepy Actually, I know what
3: picture you mean if they're using that same <laughs> picture. It is a
0: little creepy. <laughs> uh, I, I absolutely adore Frank Robbins' stuff. And it wasn't always the case. When I was a kid and Frank Robbins would pop up in like the invaders or something, I'd be like, oh, it's the guy that draws everybody looking like they're rubbery.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, but now I love him.
3: I was the same way. I felt that, you know, I felt that way. I, it's some shame to say this when I was a kid about early. Walt Simonson. I was like, oh, it's all screechy scratchy. Oh, and I don't like yeah. it. Now it's like, of course, it's gorgeous and it always was. You know, sometimes you just gotta you gotta grow into that stuff.
0: Yep. It's, it's, I love Simonson, but I have to admit too that it was a bit of an acquired mm-hmm. taste. Like when I saw the Manhunter that's stuff,
3: that's the stuff. Yeah.
0: I didn't quite like it. Yeah, but it took it took Thor to really make me a, um, a Simonson yeah. fan.
1: I mean, I the Thor stuff was just that's. You 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 just kind of from the first issue because when with, with Beta Ray Bill destroying the logo, it's just like you know you're in for something different. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you think to the issue before, and I, I think it was like a Rich Hall issue, like the Crusader or something. It was just a bland, run-of-the-mill. You know, no offense to the creators involved, but it it wasn't Walt. It wasn't what Walt was going to do with the character. And it was just it it was it was you know a normal day at the office. With with three thirty three, three thirty four, three thirty five, and then you get to Walt stuff, and it's just it, it blows the doors off you. And then after that, um, that's I, I tend to go all in when when I find a creator, and and that's when uh, I went and picked up the Detective Comics so I could get the Manhunter backup stories. Yeah.
0: You could see the training wheels on the Manhunter story. Yeah, side.
1: but I mean, cause you, there bet. was like eight pages that, that he and Archie had, had to work with and they were telling some fantastic stories until the last chapter when Batman, you know, gets stars in his own comic and, and the, the story <laughs> has the climax, but it's, yeah, I mean, you went, you're, you're going from someone telling a, a story about this character in, in just a few pages to, you know, the, Norse God of Thunder and, and taking it just where, and it was, what was cool about it is that even though, you know, yeah, Thor's an Avenger and, uh, you know, he's, he's one of Marvel's heavy hitters, but when Walt was able to get his hands on him, he wasn't so in your face all the time. So I, I, gonna find out if you know walt just basically had yeah just do something crazy with the guy and and you know he got rid of donald blake and and it was just it doom and you know for years when uh when i would play little league or whenever i would get a ball cap i i would bend the bill like roger willis ah <laughs> uh,
3: that's great
0: <laughs> uh will there's a bone in here for you what? What um cat. They go into the Helfer and Sienkiewicz and then later Helfer and Baker shadow run. Oh, No,
3: I, I just had that, the Helfer Baker all bound this summer. Oh.
0: Awesome. oh, did you get those back yet? I did. I got
3: them back and I, you know, I coincidentally I just pulled it off the shelf and it, it looks good and it reads so well as one long crazy series. Yeah. And then I had, I threw in the two, uh, Justice Incorporated painted, uh, prestige formats that they did at the end and, uh, oh, such nice. good stuff. Yeah, I love that that Helfer Baker Shadow. It's so funny and it just got such an energy to it.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. There was something really you can tell it when when that one hit the stands, there was something really unique mm-hmm. and different about that book. Yeah. But uh what else? Uh Joe Kubert's in here for the naturally for the Tarzan mm-hmm. stuff. And I just bought a couple uh oddly enough, uh this Wednesday at the comic shop I picked up uh three Korak Son of Tarzan issues and uh Murphy Anderson. And um Frank Thorne draws some Thanks. of them. and it, Right. And then you get those Mike Kaluta, Carson of Venus backups. Mm-hmm. It's like two bucks a piece. Why wouldn't oh you take cow. those home? Yeah, I got a good comic shop. That is, that's a
3: really good comic shop.
0: Yeah. Ralph Reese is in here for Worlds Unknown. And then we go to, um let's see, Killdozer. They show Kill you Dozer. not <laughs> Yes. Not only... The printed cover of Kill Dozer, but I guess the preliminary, um, cover that I believe it's Ernie Chan. Yes. Ernie Chan and Gil Kane did. They didn't make the dozer actually scary enough. (laughs) It didn't have the sawtooth blade. It didn't, it had headlights, but they weren't, they didn't really lean into it and make them look like eyes like the final version. And when you compare the two, the final version's much, much better. I think the preliminary drawing is a better drawing, but the final version is, uh, the one that we all remember. I got right? a picture
3: in my head right now. Yep.
0: Uh, then it goes into Golden Age of Sinbad, and I said Super Cops, The Master, Kirby, in 2001, there's some Kirby, uh, pages from his Black Hole, mm-hmm. a strip that he did, and, uh, Ernie Cologne on Battlestar Galactica, Back issue, if it's the only thing you buy each month, you will not be at a loss for something to read. There's so much text in this magazine, it, it'll take you, um lend a time, forgot. It would take you the entire month to read it.
1: David, can you co-sign that Oh, one? absolutely. You got, yeah. I mean, I, right behind me, there are, I mean, there are a ton, and I, I don't think I've read every, I, I haven't finished an issue before the next one came out. Yeah. No, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah,
0: it's really hard. And I, I always, see, I, I, do the, the diminishing returns. I read the article I most want to read first, because I don't know if I'm going to get.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so jam-packed.
0: I don't know if I'm going so to get through it. You just cover No, you, I read the thing that, yeah. that really interests me the most. Uh, it's Star Wars, obviously, was, um, It fits the bill for the, the adaptations of of Dr. Moreau. We have the deep, close encounters, Jaws 2, Sergeant Peppers, which I still say is not an entirely horrible movie. Uh, it's bad, but it's not, what is it? Sergeant Pepper. It's
3: not good, Vince. (laughs) It's
0: not good. No, but there, come on. When I was in the theater, when Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees got up there and started singing, we're Sergeant Pepper, goosebumps, man, goosebumps. Right. Uh Star Trek, the motion picture, which, again, is not an entirely horrible movie.
3: No, it's not. It could use a little no. editing, but it's right. terrible. There's,
0: especially, they should just call it the dry dock. Movie <laughs> that's that's <'cause> it. <laughs> they spent most of the screen time in the damn dry dock. Uh Empire Strikes Back, Raiders, Free Eyes Only, Xanadu, Conan the Barbarian, Dragon Slayer, Time Bandits, Blade Runner, Annie, more Star Wars. There's a ton of stuff in here. There's a talk with Brett Blevins. Nice. Yep. Uh, mentions Dark Crystal, Rockin' Rules in here. Octopussy. It's crazy. Get this issue. Uh, Back Issue number 89 from Tomorrows. I believe the website is Tomorrows, T-W-O-Morrows.com. If you're, if you have never read an issue of Back Issue, I just did you a, a huge solid. Cause you're gonna want them all.
3: Yeah, they're good. Have you ever seen the one that was about the Treasury comics and they
1: printed it oversized? Yep. Oh, so yep. Nice. And I just I am I'm, I'm so tempted to just turn around and, and pull a bunch off the off the shelf. I, I think maybe I'll visit one in, in in a few weeks.
0: So I guess that could serve as our fanzine flashback unless someone else has <laughs> ah,
1: That's to it. Talk no, we're about. done. Now it's just gonna be Scooby Doo <laughs> and all rebirth stuff.
0: No 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 no. Uh, you were you were getting hot and heavy posting stuff from the comics journal and, and other things on, on the Facebooks. And when you get hot and heavy like that, I know, I can feel it that you're ready to talk I just, about. it. Well,
1: no, it's it's one of those because th- it's there's oh my god. All right, so, um, I uh, I was going through. I speaking of tomorrows and and before tomorrows published comic book artist that was published at at top shelf and i have a few issues i picked them up i think at a wizard world maybe the first one we went to vince in chicago um because if i remember correctly there was a deal like if you bought two you got one free or yeah, you they, and they were like two or three dollars each stuff. not even yeah, yeah. Was, and these are like eight dollar cover price because they're thick-ass books but and they're they are bound. they are perfect bound um but, uh, so I have a few. I have one with Frank Cho. I have one with Howard Shaken. And the one that I knew I had somewhere in this house was a full feature on Darwin Cook with an amazing cover of pretty much yeah. everybody that Darwin's ever drawn. Even in the cartoons, you have the men in black characters in there. You have Batman Beyond on that cover. So I mean, it, it just whatever Darwin ever, ever put pen to paper to create was on this cover. So, um, while I am, finding these issues of comic book artists, I find a bunch that were published by tomorrow's. And, and since you we were talking about the website and getting it digital events, you can get this issue, even though it was published originally by top shelf tomorrow's is offering the digital version of that, uh, Darwin cook issue of comic book artist for, um, I think five ninety five. So you can get, yeah. So, I mean, and it's, it's, it's a great freaking issue to begin with, but, um, cause the, the, the it is out of print. Anyway, so I was I found a few other things in the same bookshelf, the same bookshelf that's got these back issues that, that that I'm tempted to grab. Um but there are a few comics journal issues in there as well. And the one that always catches my eye is a beautiful cover by Kevin Nolan, uh, with Spider Man, Captain America, Cyclops, Scarlet Witch, Beast, Iron Man, and the Carol Danvers Miss Marvel, and they're all hunched behind a piece of paper and a typewriter uh, because the cover story is titled My Brilliant Career at Marvel by Mr. Jan stranded And and he basically, I, I don't know if he wrote more than a few issues of, of any Marvel work. I, to me, Jan is, is sort of the Adam. That's who I think yeah. of. I it, it's, and that's, that's, and, and the short story from anything goes um, illustrated by um but I believe it was Gilbert Hernandez. So, uh, that's not what caught my, yes, that the cover is striking and I always smile when I see it. But the top of the issue, uh, this is issue number 75 from 1982, September 1982. Uh, inside you have a, um, transcripts from the Dallas fantasy fair featuring Gil Kane and Jack Jackson and right smack dab in the middle john byrne and i to me john byrne is if i ever have to if anybody ever says well you just you can't john byrne is the reason why you separate the man from the art in my mind there are there are others there are definitely other other creators dave Sim. They, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean there are there are there are more than a few. Um, some would say Neil Adams. Some would say Neil Adams. I I, I know uh, the, the the one guy who I'm not going to mention who I always bring. Justino. Yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> so you <know. laughs> Anyway, but I love Neil. i love so fucking predictable. So there are, um, so I mean I, my. My golden age is, is, is late bronze age, is, is, is late seventies, early eighties, mid eighties, late, that's, that's my, I, you know, from before Jim Shooter became editor in chief at Marvel with, 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 and you had the DC dollar comics with Batman family, Superman family, world's finest up until, you know, Christ on Infinite Earth's Burn Superman reboot and, and, you know, basically pre, zero hours it's just there there are just some things where that's i i can just dive in swimming at and i'm i'm completely if i never read anything new i could live off those comics and uh the yeah. there are um but john burn is is you know he's he, he he was the reason why i was buying fantastic four every month he was the uh he's the reason why i Gave Alpha Flight a shot and and stuck with it even after he left after uh when, when he decided to go do the Hulk and he and uh Mantlow and and Mignola and, and and Talia they all switched series. Um I never would have tried Superman if it wasn't for Jones. I mean you know, it's it's like when I'm I read Crisis, loved Crisis, and i are like, okay, well, you know, Superman, we're we're redoing Superman, he's gonna be, you know, for the it's fifty years old. And it's, it, we're, we're, we're gonna make him a little bit more, he's not gonna be able to move a planet anymore. And, and the science is kind of real. We're trying to like make it just more, he's not invulnerable. There's a s- very slight force field that, that, that is what's keeping the bullets bouncing. And so it just, and Burn is all about, let's try to ground it somewhat. So I, I'm gonna follow him to, to Superman, of course, and, uh, so John Byrne was just that dude and you know, he's, he's over at Legends with the, from Dark Horse and, and doing Next Men. I'm like, fuck it. I am, I am a, I'm following John Byrne wherever he goes. I, up to a point there was, you know, I think once you started doing Wonder Woman, I was like, yeah, it's really, it's the same guy. So, uh, and quit lettering your own shit, but you have the, um, gotta get that in there. Dude, it's horrible lettering. Uh, but back then, you know, I wasn't, there was no internet. There was no, if you are, the, if, of everybody in the comics industry and, and if you're a comic creator and you actually knew Mike Waringo, you had nothing but nice things to say about him. And, and I, I always felt that Ringo pretty much loved everybody. And if, if the one creator, if he's going to mock Anyone, then that dude's probably got some pretty serious issues going on outside of comics. And, and there is one, one cartoon where Ringo kind of just rips into John Byrne. Yeah. And that, that blew me away and it, it didn't open my eyes because I, I remember hearing other stories, but, um, that's when I kind of was like, Oh, I guess, yeah, cause you crisscross has, everybody's got a John Byrne story. It seems if they're in comics. They've, they've, they've brushed up against John Byrne at some point. Everybody's got something to say about the man. And And, somehow managed to piss him off. Yes. You know, even though, oh, you know, his X-Men run, that was my shit. I I got them all and, 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 you know, it's, it's, he can do no wrong. But as long as it's printed on a page and that's where it stays. Once you start talking about the man, whether it's his forum or it, it doesn't. So I know that I can look. at at a John Byrne story. And I'm like, I like this. And then I can close that cover and put the book away and I'm done. And I try not to think about the man himself. And, and this, this transcript from, from the, from the convention, um, it, it starts off with basically they, they were talking about the letters pages in Marvel comics. And, uh, on this panel, Aside from John Byrne, is Kerry Gamble, who was a fantastic artist. Always loved him. He did a great, um, inventory or fill-in issue of Fantastic Four that, that Byrne did a, uh, the opening and closing pages on. But I mean, Kent Gamble has done a lot. He'd done Power Man and Iron Fist. In the 80s, generally, I always ended up reading a comic book that, that, that Kerry Gamble was drawing. Um, and of course, because it's a Fanagraphics publication, it's the Comics Journal, Gary Groth is on the panel. Uh, and, and Jan Strand. So they're talking about letters pages and, uh, why, why are all the letters, you know, Oh my God, this issue is great. I love you guys. You guys are the best. Why is it always so positive and just, you know, it, it's like your guys moms are, are, are sending in these letters. And, <laughs> and Byrne is basically saying, you know, well, we try to do, we try to do a split of positive and negative letters. And then Schroeder was like, well, now you're printing too many negative letters so it's like a 70/30 split uh but during this you definitely get the impression that burn burn appreciates the fans he appreciates the readers but once the readers are either criticizing or or even just mentioning i think it would be neat if not not telling you to rewrite your book but just like oh and if this happened just kind of letting you know where the burn is just a little on the condescending side and it's like, yeah, yeah kid, you know, listen, I'm, 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 I'm in charge here. I'm the one telling the story. Don't, you know, just, just shut up and spend your 60 cents and and we're good. And, uh, it kind of just from there, burn talks about the, uh, the bad old days when Len and Marv and Roy were calling their own shots at Marvel. And, uh, how things were a mess and, and stories were just ridiculous. And, and now, oh now I'm going to go to DC where I'm going to edit my own stuff. And, and, and DC is going to let me do my stories. And it's, and it's like, fine. John's just like, John is just a straight up during this whole thing. I'm just hearing a company man, which is funny since he's been referred to as, as a company man in, in various other parodies, whether it's, it's E-Man or, 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 it doesn't matter, it's just, but when you think of Marvel and a company man, John Byrne was usually the dude that, that they were drawing. Um, but it was just, it's, they kind of just let Byrne just kind of go on and on and talk, and there were, there were a few things that were absolutely surprising, where, um, he, he holds nothing back when at this point in 1982, saying that basically Gene Collin hasn't drawn anything decent since before Howard the Duck. After the Duck, everything looks ridiculous. It's just, it's a mess. There's no bones in these people's bodies. You can't, the perspective is all off. There's a panel where there's three characters. I think it's from, um, I think it's from Night Force and there are, um, uh, there are three characters and the woman in the background of the panel, Burn figures is about two to three feet tall because of the perspective. She's immediately in front of the person in the foreground. So it doesn't look like she's farther away. It looks like she's, and he's just not kind to Gene Collin. He also says that Frank Miller used to be able to draw and this is 1982. So this is Frank getting ready to, you know, kick everybody's ass on their death.
3: dark night, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, it's like, but he is so, you know, I'm, I'm fine with shooter. Shooter is great. I've never had, you know, I've, I've never butt heads with shooter. Um, and I, 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 would think if I had a problem with somebody that, uh, that I could talk to Jim about it, but then he goes and he'll talk about the guys who left Marvel and are working at DC and, and how DC is just, you know, DC is ridiculous now. And, and I can't believe, you know, some of the stuff that they're putting out there and, and people are buying this stuff and, and Roy is going to, um, Roy was, it was hilarious. He was, he was going off on, on Roy Thomas doing, um, uh, All Star Squadron and, and, and just re, oh, no, 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 no. Here it is. It was, he went off on him when he was talking about, um, when Roy was doing Conan and how basically Roy's got like the same, Roy Thomas has like the same two or three stories that he just, Changes and modifies and, and, and adapts to whatever, whatever modern day comic he's telling, whether it's All Star Squadron or, or In or, 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 or anything. It's like, it's, he has nothing kind to say to anybody that ever worked for this company before him. Mean, he's even talking shit about Claremont when, when they would plot an issue of Uncanny X-Men and burned pencils the page and does everything he's supposed to do and he lays it out the way they discussed and then Claremont words everything and, and a dialogue matches nothing that what Byrne drew uh, and when Byrne calls him on it, Claremont's like, oh, you know, that's what I felt like writing that day. And Byrne's like, well, then fuck you. I'm just going to draw whatever I feel like drawing that day, whatever the hell we talked about. <laughs> uh, but he is, it, it's just, it's, it's bad. I mean, he holds, he, he he's He's like, you know, you're 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 the crotchety drunk uncle that you kind of just avoid. But he's like, this is 1982, so you know he, he's he's got to be in his 30s at this point. And because yeah, yeah, he's, he's like 32 years old at this point. It's like, dude, I just, how did you get to be this way? And then four years later, he's like in DC rebooting their flagship, and it's like, dude, I just, you were nothing but a yes man there on his panel. It was insane, but you just you, this is. And it's not like someone interviewed Byrne and are tweaking it to, to fit whatever agenda they have. This is a transcript from this panel. These are his own words. You can, you know, infer whatever you want in the afflection, but there's nothing, there's really nothing to misconstrue. I mean, yeah, you could, it's the comics journal. So they're going to have their bias against the big two and they're going to have their, you know, anti Marvel and DC Ben and every chance, every chance Groth has he, when, um, when Byrne talks about, uh, he says they bring up Kurt Swan, Vince's favorite. When uh, when they were talking about Superman, and uh, he's, look at Kurt Swan, who's been producing exactly the same caliber of work that he was producing 15 years ago. He hasn't denigrated he hasn't degenerated. John Romita hasn't degenerated. Joe Kubert hasn't degenerated. So Gratz says the problem with Swan is that he's been boring for 20 years. Burns says, well, define boring. It's not big and flashy bullshit. It's good, solid, dramatic storytelling. Groth says, but Swan is symptomatic of what the industry requires. They adore Swan at DC because they gave Swan a script, and it says Superman flies out of the window, and they get the art, and there's Superman flying out the window. The script says, Clark Kent walking down the hall. There's Clark Kent walking down the hall. He's just a technician who does exactly what he's required, who who, who does exactly what's required of him. There's a distinction between that and what Colin does, but not an enormously great distinction. Burns says the distinction is that they are both taking the shortest distance between two points, but one of them is doing it by simply doing the job the clearest, cleanest way possible, and the other is doing it by giving you bullshit. And if I, if I was hiring and firing, I would hire Kurt Swan and fire Gene Colin. Groth says I fire them both, and, and that's the end of the panel.
2: <laughs>
1: Boy, it's... Groth asked Frank, do you think Miller, asked Byrne, do you think Frank Miller knows how to draw? Byrne says, no, Frank used to. I think Miller's self-destructing too. I'm like, well shit, dude, you're like 30 years ahead of your time because it's, I, <laughs> too. but you know, whatever. So you just, there's, they were talking about Terry Austin and, and how Byrne was like, you know, I don't have time to, to really ink my own work, but, um, if, uh, you know, I, I wanted, Terry to ink my X-Men stuff and it worked well. And now they just, uh, that's all he's like, I want, you know, it's okay to let other people ink my stuff. Um, but ever since then it's like, oh, we'll just get burned in Austin and, and that's, that's who link we'll their stuff. But then he was talking about a, um, uh, a silver Surfer story where Tom Palmer inked and, and he was like, that really didn't work out the way I wanted. There's a Don McGregor mention because,
0: uh, is that the last, uh, Galactus story? Is that the one where
1: Tom Palmer inked that? No, 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 it was a, a Silver like Surfer. A special one shot.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Was, oh, okay. Because um, it on, on the cover, it, it's a very dark in the cosmic outer space cover, and it's like Silver Surfer standing with his board on a rock. Right,
3: right, right.
1: Um, Galactus, that was an epic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's uh, let's see. Um, I did a story, one of my early issues of the Avengers, that Steve Gerber ended up scripting. And I was still thinking Claremont, even though I knew it wasn't going to be Claremont, and Grant took the pages into Stern, who was the editor and said, I can't do this, there's too much space for copy. Stern went right off the deep end, too much space for copy. Captain America's in the picture. Have him make a speech. And then Groth says, Or just get Don McGregor to write it. And I mean they're Oh, that's so true though.
3: (laughs) Man, like have
0: have you ever read an issue of Sabre? Don McGregor's Saber? (laughs) I've tried. it would take you two damn hours to read that issue.
1: <laughs> I love that, though. Oh, I know. You just bang for your buck. Um, they were... Uh, Not a fan of decompression.
3: No. No.
1: <laughs> Not at all. Uh, oh, um, Groth was developing a theory with Dave Sims' uh, the Cerebus and Miller's Daredevil that you can read writer-artist comics in about three and a half minutes. And then Byrne said, until I came along. And then, uh although that's—is that really true though with the Fantastic Four stuff? Because I mean, even though Reed starts talking and you get a lot of word balloons, Fantastic Four issues—they weren't. They
2: weren't
1: mm-hmm. I'd say they were average. Yeah, yeah they were average. Yeah. Then I mean, then you could also read a Stern Bushyman Avengers issue, and I mean, you might get. The, but I mean, you got more more characters. I mean, you got Burns trying to give everybody. He's got four characters. He, he's going to try to give each of them. Equal screen time, uh, whereas if, if it's the Avengers, you're going to have more, you, some people are going to get pushed off to the side. And hopefully for me, it it might be Dr. Druid, but you just have, um. See, there, there is a lot of hate. Oh. In,
0: in this interview. There is. And I don't understand that. I really, I, I don't get it. Why an artist who knows how it feels when someone disparages or, or just play flat out, you know, says the work is not good. You know, that that artists are feeling people. And for John to know how that feels, to say that about Gene, who has logged more hours, at, at, you know, at that – 1982, I think Gene had a – not a better pedigree, but I would think he was more respected as – um for the craft than John was, oh yeah, maybe from the from the older
1: guys. So what did John seem to? What did he want to gain by doing this? I, I don't know if he was just like, listen, you know, these are just my opinions. These are, but I mean, but you are, you're John Byrne. You're drawing the Fantastic Four and writing the Fantastic Four. Um, you were, you're going to be the writer on the thing. He, at this point, he didn't know who the he didn't know Ron Wilson was going to be the artist because Marvel Two and One was just about finishing up. Um, you uh, and, and and bullshit about,
3: X-Men, about- which was you
1: know the comic book right so i mean when you think of of marvel you would think john byrne so i think this may have had more weight because it was john byrne saying these things
0: of course it did right right he was the 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 golden child at that point right but i i I take back what i said about artists are feeling people people are feeling people so why why would you do that to a brother. And it's like not that. like I mean, you're not are you gaining anything by making a, a a middle-aged man feel bad? I mean, I I don't understand. I it. don't either. I I and, and not only, you know, it's not um water cooler talk. This
1: is in a magazine. Right. that A it, lot of people it, read then. And it was a,
3: a public, you know, panel. I mean, it was yeah.
1: A, yeah. Yeah. It's not like yeah, it's not like this is some, you know, off the record or or they misconstrued what I was trying to say. These are If it story. was even true, which is not.
0: It's not true, oh, Gene. No. At that point, no. Gene. Maybe you know, Night, um, Night Force wasn't Gene's finest hour, but
1: you you can't hit a home But he had enough time. credit in the bank where yeah. it's like, yeah. listen, all right. Yeah. So you whiffed on, my, you know, I still got these Dracula issues. I still have, I still have this swirly. These Dracula
0: feet. issues. This entire, oh wow, this look at this Dracula is, it's a masterwork, right? And then, okay, you can drop the mic then, Gene, cause you're pretty much done. But you, you didn't
1: stop there. You did Howard the Duck. You did a lot you of things. You've done Daredevil
3: at that point.
1: And I, yeah. I have, I, I have an issue of Daredevil that he, I did, he autographed it at New York Comic Con. So I mean, it's, it's, he, he's drawn Doctor Strange. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love Gene. I, I think he is good at what he does. If, if the story suits his style, it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, it's, it, there's just,
0: Pound for pound, if you take a guy who approached the the art of sequential uh, storytelling from the Gene Cohen perspective or the John Byrne, I would take Gene Colan any day because he, he, when when you laid something down on a paper where you have to struggle to find an anchor to capture it accurate accurately that's you know it's experimentation it's pushing the envelope um I don't think Gene really fit the superhero genre all that well like you look at those iron mans and those daredevils and there's they just seem they're 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 great but they just seem like the wrong there, there's something wrong going on but when you got gene on daredevil or not daredevil dracula and Howard the dog oh, oh my god hey. no those issues are fantastic I, and it's just so do you want to take the standard approach john byrne took the standard approach in my mind he did it
1: really really well yeah. but it
0: wasn't anything out of the ordinary
1: and it's, yeah, he wasn't, it's not like, oh, look at this panel break. And it's, it, there wasn't really anything, uh, he wasn't breaking any real new ground. It was, he, he was telling, it was, it was no, a nine that, by nines grid. It was, he, a uh, three by three. He give, give burn his
0: due. The guy at the time was a fantastic cartoonist. He was perfect he,
3: for he, superheroes.
0: Absolutely. Really, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No doubt. And,
3: and he drew uh, beautiful uh, women uh, t- 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 and, yes, guys and yeah, and it, it all worked. I mean,
0: there's a, but it didn't give him enough um you know, it didn't give him a mandate
1: to go around knocking no, other people. No, down. definitely not, whether they're still with the company or not. I mean because people dude, there are he um he says that there are uh it, it took him a while it took Burn a while to realize what it was that um that, what Jim Shooter wanted from from his people. And uh and and basically uh Burns says, you know, let, let's be really, let's, let's be honest here that there's a reason why Marv and Roy and Len and Gene Colin and Gil Kane and they all left and it's because Shooter won't let them get away with murder. Um Shooter won't let oh. Gene Colin do the kind of crap that he's been doing for the last banana feet and duck hands That's, that he's been giving us for the last five years. Shooter wouldn't let him do that. So he went over to DC where they said, sure, Come and do garbage. We'll pay you for it. (laughs) He's gonna, he's gonna talk shit about Gene's Batman. He says, um, Groth says, you know, I don't know if that quite cuts it. First of all, Colin's crap is better than Win Mortimer's, which is, I don't know where I'd go with that because Andy Parks was kind enough to post some of Mm -hmm. Win Mortimer's comic strips recently and they are absolutely, they're stunning. They are, they, they are perfect for comic strips. I don't think Gene Colin would be able to do comic strips they're different what gene's doing and what Wynn's doing are completely different things i wouldn't call either of them crap um and and he says uh and burn says no it's not and i've heard that argument so many times groth says and john Bushima has been doing crap for years. i'm glad jason oh my god has been doing this but this is gary groth has been doing crap for years and he allows that burn says john Bushima. Does crap that you can understand. It's readable crap. You look at Gene Colan stuff, and ninety percent of the time, you can't tell what's going on in the picture. Yeah, it's, that's outlandish. It's wrong. Yeah, it is. It, it's 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 incredibly wrong. But I, this is something it, it i keep forgetting on
0: something. It touches upon something that you and I part ways on, which with anatomy and and rendering, like you you especially with Wolverine. If somebody draws those claws yeah. popping out the hand at a not the precise right, place, right. you'll notice it. Yes. Whereas I'm You're very, very forgiving. Much, I'm not it's forgiving. It's the story you just, just right. No, exactly. Stuff. Yeah. But um, and so like, if you approach it from to say that Gene Cohen was producing crap no. because he didn't want to render a human hand in exact. He didn't conform to John it, Burns. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Exactly.
1: It, the story is what matters. The um, apparently, and I I remember this when I read this transcript originally. It. Sorry, it's okay. Uh, beers apparently working. Apparently, the um, oh, Jan stranded asked if uh, Jim Schroeder would recognize a good story if he tripped over one. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> so so, Byrne says, "Oh, sure, <laughs> I do." Surnet said, "I don't." Someone in the audience says, "The last couple Avengers he did," Surnet said, "They stunk." They really stunk. Burns said, I, this is, this is, so semantics now. He should be fucking running for president. Burns (laughs) says, I didn't say he was a good writer. I have never defended shooters writing. I don't read it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Mr. Starbrand, this is motherfucker. So now. So, um, so Groth says, but someone who understands what a good story is should perceive in himself the inability to write. Burns says those who can do, those who can't teach, Shooter knows what makes a good story. So then they go to this little thing about Little Miss Muffet. Oh
3: yeah,
2: and
1: Shooter's
3: classic example.
1: Yeah, so Jim Shooter, for the for, for those who don't know, Jim Shooter often uses the nursery rhyme, Little Miss Muffet, to explain story structure. <laughs> little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, eat sat on a tuffet eating her curds and whey. That's the scene setting. Along came a spider. And drop down beside her. The plot thickens as the villain enters the scene, and frighten little Miss Muffet away. There's your climax. According to Shooter, the rhyme contains all the elements of a complete story and is helpful for writing comic books.
0: Yeah. I guess maybe in a rudimentary
1: sense. It's well, I'm nice. pretty sure. Well, this is. Well, do you use this when I, you're writing? <laughs>
3: I'm adapting Little Miss Muppet every issue. <laughs> I've
1: heard
3: that, though. Oh, yeah, Shooter's, he's legendary for that being the the example. And, I mean, it technically, yes, it does have a beginning, middle, and end. But you think you try and bring a little more to the story.
0: <laughs> why did the spider come down beside her? Right, why? Why did she fr- frighten her away? Was there something in her past that made her, you know, she had a, a phobia
1: of spiders? Maybe
3: flashback to her and... Pearls falling and a spider attacking. Yes,
1: the pearls. So the spider is good at what he does and, and how <laughs> it's, this is, this is the best, who, who But first,
0: before Shooter would even write word one of that nursery rhyme, he would tell you what happened in the last nursery <laughs> rhyme yes. and then get into it. Now, uh, I'm going to tell you a story, but before I do, <laughs> remember what happened last time.
3: Now, am I remembering this correctly about Burn? But after the new universe collapsed and Shooter was out, didn't Burn write the, the story the pit, where he destroyed yeah, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh
1: he destroyed just to piss Pittsburgh just off Shooter? Yeah. Yep. And uh, yes, so if you don't know, Jim Shooter's from Pittsburgh, and that is that's that was that, and then because Jim Shooter not only kicked off. The new university kicked it off with Star Brand. That was his co-creation, and when it which was monthly, John Byrne was quack. the writer artist. <laughs> no, doc was quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. this um, John Byrne decided you know, he he took over writing and 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 art duties on Star Brand, and I don't. Did he undo everything Shooter did? Or did you just basically call it bullshit? I'd I'd never finished Starbrand, Vince. Yeah, I
3: didn't either. But I remember in that, uh, the Marvel story, that big history that came out a few years ago, I could swear there's a story about a barbecue at John Byrne's house and they burned a shooter dummy in effigy that was stuffed with new universe comics. I swear this was either, either it happened or it was a rumor that a lot of people talked about.
1: You know, and I thought I was fucking petty. This isn't, I cannot, it's like, and this is one person, this one person who has all of this. One
0: super talented person too. I mean, we, you gotta, you gotta give the man his due. He's very, very talented. But when you hear and read things like this, it kind of makes you less likely to, I I don't know, play fair. It's just not right. I mean, yes, it's, it's on the paper and it's committed to history and he has done fantastic work. But if you're a douche and you're still alive and you're trying to make money in the very same medium you were working in back when you said these things, it makes people less likely to buy into your the, the, the mythology. Let's like, let's be honest. This is why John Byrne is working for IDW. Do I know doing, doing Star Trek for many books? But it's yeah. It's, I mean, there I mean are, it's, doing, it's there too. But there's people that just
1: don't want to deal with it. I, I mean, I, if if you are a if, if you're a comic book reader and you came in during Infinite Crisis or Fifty Two or you know or or when when the X Men movies were coming out, then you're not you don't know about. John Byrne's early work. You know John Byrne from maybe Next Men when IDW republished it, or it's just but. Namer, yeah, you might not know
3: him at all, really.
1: And and right, so I mean, so this is something. Here's a here's an interview, a panel from 1982, and you know, people change their minds. They 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 may grow. They may oh, you know what? I was a dick. I can't believe I said that about fucking Gene Colan of all people. But at no point have I ever seen anything that would lead me to. Think that Burn feels that way?
3: No, I. How,
1: how, how he appears on these pages is pretty much how I think he still is. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, let's balance this out. John Byrne's stuff for IDW—the stuff that he's written and drawn, like Trio—it's—it's it's not fantastic. No, yeah. it's okay. It's—it's it's enjoyable. Like I thought, the whole culmination to the uh, Next Man thing was. Mm. Yeah, not great. Yeah, of but, but
1: you know, we don't
0: come right here
1: just like we said with Colin. You know, by the time you did Night Force, we were with you anyway. So, yeah. you know, right. for Burn to be able to do everything he's done, and now he can churn out whatever. Right. There was something
0: about the man that made me pre-order the entire Next Men revival. Right. Uh-huh. I bought into the 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 the. the the thing, so I mean, the, the the reason why John Byrne comes to mind whenever I think of superhero comics has been earned. He's earned yes, that absolutely. He has done, he has done the work, and it's fantastic work. But I, I just don't understand the value of shitting on other people. I really don't.
1: And they they bring up Frank Frazetta. They they, they wow. <laughs> you better explain that. All right. Uh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see there was a uh there was somebody who brought his his portfolio went to be looked at um let's see i was in rick marshall's office when he was putting together epic an artist who was waiting in the waiting room came in wanted to show marshall some conan paintings for the conan boat the paintings had a very geometric approach not an organic frank Frazetta approach marshall oh, okay. looked at them and kind of nodded and then shook his head Marshall dragged in John Romita Jr. to look at them. John looked at him, and then they called in Marie Severin. She came in and Marie's like, you should paint more like Frank Frazetta. If you paint more like Frank Frazetta, we can use her work. And then she left the room and the artist looked at me and said, I don't want to paint like Frank Frazetta. I want to paint like me. And frankly, he was not that good a painter, but if he followed his own instincts uh, and whatever he used as a guidepost, he might have become a good painter. But Marvel simply told him to draw more like Frank Frazetta. Now, this is Groth telling this story. So Byrne says, okay, I've seen this happen a number of times, and that's a great dumb thing that we all do. Marie didn't... So now he's speaking for Marie. Marie did not mean to copy Frank Frazetta. Marie did not mean to go out and turn into something that we could not distinguish from Frank Frazetta. What she meant was this geometric... This is not organic. Don't do this. Don't do that. She meant a volume of stuff. And what she she said was paint like Frank Frazetta. They did the same thing to Keith Giffen. Think Kirby, Shooter said to him. Think Kirby. And what Shooter meant was, because I've heard this and I know what Shooter meant, Kirby does a particular brand of storytelling. He backs up the camera. He turns the angles. He does this. He does that. Shooter could have spent four days telling Giffen exactly what he should do, none of which was, forget anatomy and have people jumping in the air with four, with with their feet 4 feet apart.
0: <laughs> but Giffen has been thinking Kirby. Oh, absolutely. The, the at least the past 20 oh, years. Oh, no doubt.
1: Yeah. But I mean this is an and I am I'm, I'm not going to go page by page on this thing because I did um it, it is scanned in, it is on the Facebook group page. Uh so you can read along and and make your own conclusions from it, but you know, these are just, because this is pretty much my golden age, I, you know, anything that happened, because I, the same book that Will just mentioned, I I have the the Marvel history book, I just I, if it happened when I was loving comics, then I I, want to read more about it, I like knowing Unlike Jason, I I I listen. I, I look at the documentaries on the DVDs. I'll listen to the director's commentary. Yeah, I I, yep, yep, I, I yep. just I mean I can I I enjoy the story that's on the page and whatever's on those twenty two pages. But if I also know what was going on in the bullpen and what other people were thinking and why you know they may have gone, I I love the backstory. I love the history. I love knowing the people who who did this work because it's not just. It's not just think on paper to me. It's the the characters are great, but people bled to bring this to you. So I I can respect the talent, and and I want to know more about the people.
0: Yeah, and there was a time, and you got to give Fantagraphics their due, because they captured, they documented a re a very important time in comics with Amazing Heroes. Oh man! And Comics Journal. I mean, nobody else had that level of. Not only introspection, but just to, to, to root out who was doing what and how they were doing it and why they were doing it and who they were working with. There was a time when I would read the fanzines over the regular comics.
3: Yeah. I would read the journal. Oh yeah. Every month.
0: Yeah. And, and I think it was a really big mistake on Groth and company's part to do the journal on that new and it's in quotes, yearly schedule uh-huh. because it's hell of a lot long yeah, longer than yearly.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. And because if you look, the trend is now like most of your, a lot of your music buyers are seeking out vinyl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, there's only so much you can get from a, a two second newsorama or, you know, bleeding cool story. It doesn't get to the, to the root of what's going on because with that, you know the 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 attention span that these websites seem to think people have where they say oh you can only do like 600 words or you'll lose the person or i think it's even less than that um and the journal would put out the longest interviews known to man yeah. there would be like 30 40 page oh, yeah. interviews on one subject and it would it, it th- that kind of stuff is important it's documenting Artistic creation and getting this stuff, you know, you get into the head of the people that created these things. That's impossible to do mm-hmm. these days. You just, it's, no one's doing it. And, and I think it was really, I don't know, maybe kind of short-sighted on the journal to forego the, the, the I think they were bi-monthly at, at the, the time when they decided to, to go yearly, right? Maybe they were even quarterly. Put those
3: big, then they put out two of those big, like really fat phone book yes yeah. and then I've I, I haven't even heard of plans to do another one. I think they've screwed.
0: right. And and somebody needs to really pick up that that baton that they dropped because um this website stuff it's so and transient. It's, I mean it's not set in stone. When you have a volume on your shelf, you can say, hey, I'm gonna read Mouse, you know, next week. I want to see what was going through right. Spiegelman's head when he made it. You can always go back to the journal yeah. because it's there. You know, there, yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. no, go ahead.
3: No, I was just to say. Um, one book I'm looking forward to—they've got—he's
0: my boo, by the way. <laughs> but go ahead.
3: Coming out, fanographics is gonna—they've been working on this for at least a decade, but they're doing this. I think it's called Comics as Art, and it's a uh, its like a history of fanographics. and it should be interesting because it'll cover the journal, but it'll also cover, I think, you know, everything that was going on at that time, plus like Love and Rockets and 8-Ball and Hate, uh-huh. and I think this was one that Harlan Ellison, like, maybe took legal pressure a little to not publish it for whatever was going on with the- <laughs>
0: but it is supposed to maybe for bat <laughs> <laughs> oh my god
3: that crazy
0: the uh the in case you don't know um uh, harlan ellison called michael fleischer bat crazy mm-hmm. In an interview, and uh not you i know, I know you know this I'm talking to the the listener, and the litigation that spiraled out of that lasted for
1: years and years. well
3: David mentioned that anything goes comic yeah, and that was yeah. a benefit comic for fanographics
1: yeah yep the uh when we're off fair i gotta i'll i'll mention a a Harlan story that I heard um Beyond third hand, and I, I, I'm curious to know if it, if there's truth in it, but the, um, And this is conceptual
0: continuity because something else I have to talk about tonight, uh, I will mention the
1: name Harlan Ellison. Oh, nice. As far, but the, um, the, and I noticed on the Fanographics website, if you, they do have an archive of, mm-hmm. of the old issues. It says subscribers get to access the archives. What are you subscribing to? Though? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I'm way confused, but so Will would read the comic journal first. The comic journal was awesome if you were really into the independent scene. Mm-hmm. For me, mm-hmm. not so. Yes, Amazing Heroes it, is the book that I would right. read first oh, love- because that was the big two. That was that. That was the capes and cowl stuff, and and I, you didn't get. uh I mean, some of the um, some of the reviews uh or the writers may have their slants on things and and how they feel that Gerard Jones and, and whether, you know, Batman or Spider-Man is, but you, you, you got your, and and the letters columns with the cartoons and they were, so, so the, the superhero stuff, that was the amazing heroes fun And if, if I wanted to, uh, like I said, Groth seriously has, A, a big two bias and, and it, it's, it's apparent on every page and every editorial and it's just, it's, so once you get past that and you just, but as far, I, is, would you guys say that he's a great interviewer? Yes. Yeah,
3: I think so. I mean, I remember, like some, you know, through the comics journal, I, I learned about Wal Eisner, I learned about Harvey Kurtzman. I mean, because they would do these career spanning interviews and, you know, I remember one with Bernie Wrightson, Kaluta, Chakin. they did some great interviews. They did great interviews with Byrne. I think Groth was always frustrated that because when he started this magazine, there really wasn't much of an independent comics market. So he was sort of forced by default to do superheroes, which he really didn't care about. But even then, I mean, like Vince was saying, you know, you got to see these men, you know, he peek into their heads at a time when some real interesting stuff was happening and you know, I'm glad it was preserved in some format from them.
0: Yeah, Um just to back up what Will said about the comics as art, it is offered in this month's preview. Oh, is it? <sighs> yes, it's called "We Told You So." It's a hardcover comics as art. Um DCB Service has it for thirty-two dollars and forty-nine cents. That's thirty-five like percent off a big the cover copy price.
3: Oh,
0: yeah. That one. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I-, I worked recently with someone who believed that. You had to bring out the absolute worst in a person and push them to the very edge, like an event horizon type deal (laughs) where you would fight and struggle and bitch and complain to each other and just tear each other's heart outs And then you get to a point where you can start to make real art. And I think that 's what Groth did in his interviews. He would nudge and push the person into places where they didn 't really want to go and they would struggle and 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 it would get heated, but he would get a real naturalistic return for that antagonism and I think that 's what makes him really great and it 's all captured in 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 the comic journal. I have an almost complete run mm-hmm. of the journal. Thank you. Yeah, I'd never give those up. The, uh,
1: no, yeah. I I wouldn't let you. Um there were uh I have I need to find the second part because I didn't realize it was part one when I bought it ages ago. Um
0: I'll check my archives. I
1: need I need number two oh three because two oh two is uh a pretty funky Simon Bisley cover where Kevin Eastman comes clean, Turtles Tundra, big numbers, kitchen sink, and how mm-hmm. to lose 14 million dollars and i was yep that's, that's a tom interview. sutton cover isn't no it? biz it's biz yeah it's biz- really- oh okay sorry And i'm all hot and heavy in this interview and and it's like, and it takes up a big chunk of the issue and and it's like you know come back for part two i was like you motherfucker because <laughs> i did not know it was the first of two parts but um and
0: to make matters worse there are avenues down which people can go to get comics these days that aren't necessarily legitimate. Let's just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. The journal, to my knowledge, has never been scanned, not completely anyway. So, I mean, if you want this stuff, you got to get it from either Fantagraphics or go and and hunt it down and buy the actual back. But it, it's worth it because. Um, it's it's a history lesson. There's no other place you're going to get this kind of 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 um revelation into what actually went into the making of the things that you love.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember they interviewed Miller like just when he was taking on Daredevil, just yep. right before Dark Knight came out. I mean, all these, you know, it's fascinating to read these things, read about them when they were new. You know, now they're such legends, but it's it's interesting to see what people thought about them when they first saw them. Yeah, I always remember yeah. there was a quote in a journal some some critics said, yeah, yeah we know how, how the Comics Journal reviews go. Something comes out everyone loves it and then the journal says hold on, hold on, it sucks. And it was like, that's yeah. going to be the Comics
0: Journal. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Comics Journal was the very first place I encountered the really really fringe elements. Like they would cover many comics mm-hmm. and self-published comics. I heard of Fort Thunder through Comics yeah. Journal. And that was Brian Chippendale and Matt Brinkman and all those fantastic, amazing artists that just congregated in, in in uh Rhode Island um in Providence and the journal covered it and that unveiled just this whole universe of stuff that you didn't even know was out there. And it was just this little microcosm of these artists in Providence. The journal was on top of it. And they, they would, they brought it every, every single month. And it, I would just look forward to the journal. That's another one I would read cover to cover, regardless of whether I was, uh, familiar with the artist in question or not. If I wasn't, by the time I finished the issue, I was very familiar with Yeah, you with
3: really, it, learned, so. yeah, you really got a full, a deep dive on it, whoever they were covering. Yeah. Yep. Hey, real quick, yeah. can I tell my John Byrne story?
0: Shit, yeah. You don't have to ask, Boo. This
3: one, it's not necessarily yeah. a Byrne story, but hopefully it's kind <laughs> of amusing. Um, back in yeah, like 2005, Byrne was uh, doing some stuff for DC, and he was going to do Blood of the Demon, which yep. uh, ran for about 17 issues. I don't know why. I suspect DC wasn't loud about his dialogue, but they asked if I'd be interested in doing the dialogue for the book, and I'm like, sure. Yeah. You know, because I—I mean, when I first started reading comics. Burns X Men was it? So I mean, you know, I and I had heard all the stories about Burn, and I kind of fallen away from. But you know, he was still John Byrne. Like to give you an example, my mom was actually excited when I heard about John Byrne because she remembers when I was a kid. <laughs> shut up about John Byrne. So anyway, so I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. So they wanted they had we had a conference call one afternoon, and I remember I was calling in from from where I worked at the newspaper, and I think on the phone I want to I'm sure. Dan DiDio was on the phone, and I think Joey Cavalieri, who was the editor of the book, and John Byrne was on the phone. And we were just talking about, like, the setup, which involved – he would send me a plot, and I would get the Xeroxes. And back then, they would actually FedEx me the Xeroxes. And then I would essentially just, you know, dialogue it and send in the dialogue, and that would be that. and um, And – you know, we're talking, and then as we're signing off on of the phone, I just, you know, I just said to Burn, I said, you know, well, you know, I'm looking forward to working with you, John. I, I hope you like what I do. And he, I'll never forget what he said. He goes, he just said to me, he goes, well, well, I'll tell you what, if I don't, I'll tell you in 20 years, just like I did with Claremont. And I'm like,
2: what? Oh, I love it. Oh,
3: typical. <laughs> but the, and then the the little addendum to that is. It was like the next fall I went to Mid-OhioCon in Columbus, and this was – this is the last show John Byrne did. I don't think he's gone to a convention since, but this is when the book was new, so he wanted to publicize it. And I, you know, I never met Byrne, and I was kind of like, you know, I know how – you know, the reputation of how he can be and, you know, when I, what am I going to say when I go talk to him? And he came over to me, said like, I like what you're doing so far. I'm having a great time working on this. I hope you're having fun. He was a perfect gentleman, so I got to say, my one interaction with John Byrne was nice. quite positive. But,
1: you awesome, know, you're also a white dude, so but the I
3: am, yes, I am. Yeah, not just Alba trying to play the Invisible Girl <laughs> or Gene Colan or I was telling David, I distinctly remember from another uh, John Byrne interview in the Comics Journal, and I it might have been before this one, but this was like a full scale interview. And he had some complaint, I want to say, about Bob Layton inking his work. And this is not me. This is what John said. Yes. It's in print. It's he said when Bob Layton inked his work, I think it was like an Avengers or a Champion's Annual, Byrne didn't like it because Layton's inks made all his characters look, quote, queer. And Byrne didn't like that at all. So. <laughs> what kind of comment is that? Even in the uh. early 80s, that sounded a little weird. <laughs> and you
1: know, so strange it's, there are listen he he was interviewed by our friends chris and sal
3: that's right around that's
1: comics right. and he sounded you know it was it was a very enjoyable and even he even laughed about it because like, i can only imagine what people are going to say about this you know and and it was there what he said and how he came across in that interview on that episode um was kind of a 180 from other things I've read and, and heard. So, uh, whether, you know, he's on for the camera, I don't know. It's, but it's, it's, there are, yeah, yeah. it was, it, it was a good time and, and I, I'm happy for the guys. They were able to talk to him. So, you know, he's, he's still the John Byrne. So you still have those issues that he's drawn and mm-hmm. I, I simply love his his take on superman so and and i you know it things that still exist to this day because of the work he did in in 1986 on the character so it's it's and it's not like he was on it for less than two years he you know once superman 23 was his last issue and that was he still had more to do after that you had you know roger stern and and Mm -hmm. mar wolfman everybody taking over and it built on it from there but you know i don't know what he would have been able to do if he was able to keep on the book but it's I had a blast so
0: he did a great job with it but there is a huge Kirby influence to what he did no, no doubt oh,
2: yeah. yeah
0: which was smart on his part but the the guy did and by the guy I mean John Byrne he did set the trend for Superman for I would say up until um,
1: the new 52 yeah and, and, and that and,
3: and, major changes and, uh, between those yeah yeah so
1: but yeah. And I, I think, um I, th- I think I was in error because I'm, I'm flipping through this Kevin Eastman interview and it looks like it does end on, on a very, uh, specific point. So I, I, I must be thinking about something else that continued. So you're good, Vince. I'll still look for it. For you. I may even scan it for you if you need it. Sweet. Yeah. So there's our fanzine flashback for this time.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. I gotta write down big, in real big type fanzine flashback. Aww. Will, what do you got?
3: What do I got? Well, I'll tell okay, here's a book. That came out a little while ago. I don't know if you guys have mentioned it or not, but um speaking of fanographics, this coincidentally is a fanographics publication. Um, I am a huge fan of Dan Klaus, who did 8 Ball and uh he did Ghost World, you know, all those books. And his latest book is a massive hardcover uh science fiction graphic novel which is kind of different for him normally he's more of a sort of satirical down-to-earth guy but it's called patience and it's a a time travel story and it's it's crazy it's a real sort of mind trip of a story it starts out with a, a couple a young man and young woman and they're in love and they're kind of struggling monetarily and the Guy's not sure how he's going to tell her he doesn't have the job that she thinks he has, but but they're very much in love with each other, and she's going to have a baby. And he comes home, and he finds she's been murdered, a robbery gone wrong or something. He's arrested for it. Eventually, he proves he was innocent, but he's still like his life was destroyed by this. So his his grand plan is to find – to wait around – you know, as long as it takes until somebody invents a time machine, then go back in time and prevent this crime from happening. And the majority of the book is sort of that story. And it's a, it's one of the strangest comics I've read in years, but it's also a very compelling, very powerful story. And the cartooning, to me at least, is just beautiful throughout. So I don't know if you guys are Klaus fans, but if you are, I would highly recommend this thing.
0: I have yet to get that. But it's on my must buy list. It's
3: really good. It's, I mean, it's, it's meaty. It's, it's almost 200 pages long and it's, it's something that I read once and it's still like bouncing around in my head and I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's, it's really, that's
0: a good thing, right? Oh yeah,
3: completely. I, oh yeah.
0: I did see the ejaculation panel. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's brilliant. Uh, but that's Klaus. He, he always brings the brilliance and he gets me to read things that I would otherwise not touch by a, by another artist Mm -hmm.
3: it's it's really different from him too it's in full color i mean he's done a lot of sort of black and white and two-tone stuff and it's i mean it is a science fiction story there's time travel there's you know going back and forth and changing the past there's a glimpse of the weird future where there's these bizarre alien type hookers and it's
0: (laughs) it's it's really
3: crazy. but and it's
0: it's Speaking real, my it's language. Serious
3: too. It's it's not. I mean, some of his stuff usually has a tone of, of humor, but it, it's real serious stuff. But I mean, I I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I got it, I think, about a month ago, maybe, and it, it definitely lived up to my expectations.
0: Do you remember the first time you picked up 8-Ball?
3: Oh yeah, I can tell. I was it. I was I was interning at a newspaper in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, and I went to a local comic book shop and I picked it up and I, I read it like. Like three times, like just paging through the ghost or no, Ghost War wasn't in it, but it was like a Velvet. No,
0: it, the, the Velvet Glove, Cast in Iron, was, the Iron first was in it. Yeah,
3: and all that stuff. And I just because I had read Lloyd Llewellyn um, from Fantagraphics, but this to me, this was like just a quantum leap beyond that. I just thought it was so crazy. Yeah,
0: I thought Llewellyn was a pastiche, mm-hmm. whereas 8-Ball um, was its own thing.
3: I, I, he, I think he would agree with that too.
0: Yeah, and at the time. I was neck deep in David Lynch. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, Eraserhead and um yeah. I thought, man, this is the closest thing I've seen to David Lynch on paper.
3: Mm-hmm. And that was right around that was I I want to say it was just less than a year before Twin Peaks hit the airwaves. So like right right and the then air, yeah, yeah.
0: But um and it took a while for that man's brilliance to sink in. Like I just thought Alright, this guy's just being weird to be weird. <laughs> and by the time Velvet Glove was over, I thought, I don't know how I can go on without more work from yeah. this man because it was just so different and out of left field. But once you got the rhythm down and the, the, uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, the approach mm-hmm. was so, much so far removed from the stuff that I was used to that I thought, oh, I, I I need more of this. And and the 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 type of cartoonist that that Klaus is was not very prevalent then. No, not at all. It, 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 there was a ramping up of of that kind of approach where, with um, Charles Burns and mm-hmm. stuff. But once, you know, Klaus, once 8-ball took root, it just seems like everybody started doing that.
3: Right. It was, yeah, it was, I mean, this is before, you know, he predated Chris Ware. Mm-hmm. and Charles Burns had been around, but I mean, they, all that stuff. And it's just, yeah. And 8-ball, I think, I mean, Velvet Glove was great, but then he'd get into more, you know, he did the, like that short story caricature. With, it's right, just about right. a guy at, at county fairs drawing caricatures. There's nothing supernatural about it at all. And, you know, and he did Ghost World, which again, it's just a story of two girls who just graduated high school. But he's just able to find this richness in the in the lives of people. And I, I mean, I just—he's like my favorite comic book creator. I just, I just think he's great. And the thing is, you know, his, his stuff is so weird. And including, I mean, Patience is a strange, sometimes disturbing book. But he, like all these guys, when you meet him, they're like the sweetest, most soft-spoken guys. Right. It's like, right. you know, still waters run deep on these guys.
0: <laughs> if you had to pick a prose writer who you would compare to Klaus, who would that person be? Oh, I have someone in mind. That's
3: a good question. I don't have anyone off the top of the head. Who do you, who do you think?
0: Ch- Chuck Palahniuk.
3: Yeah, I could see that. He's a little yeah. more sort of over the top, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like especially like maybe his short story stuff.
0: Yeah. You know? Because he can eke out these, Tremendous, like monumental emotions out of the silliest premise. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, like Choke and, that, and Survivor. That's a good. That, right. that is a good comparison. Yeah,
0: now I love Klaus's stuff, and and I'm I I just haven't jumped on that yet because it's like, what is it? Forty bucks?
3: Yeah, it's 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 cover price uh twenty nine ninety
0: nine. Okay, so it, thirty. It, yeah, you'll be
3: able to find it cheap, and it's. I mean. It's one of those books when you, I mean, just holding it, you feel like, yeah, that feels, you know, that's a good price for it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think you'll like it. It's not for everyone, but it is, you know. He's done a lot of mainstream press on this thing. He was on Mark Maron's podcast, and they've had, you oh, know, the New York Times, and so it'd be interesting, you know. I, I really can't, you know. I, I wonder, like, just somebody who really doesn't read comics like us, or is used to some of the stranger comics picking this up and being like, wow, this is pretty fucked up, but. But it's it, – I think it really holds up, so it's good stuff. I highly recommend
0: Cool. I, I have not read a lot of Klaus. I, no, you haven't. Yeah. You know, I, that's, that's okay.
3: Yeah, if you – David, if you are interested, I mean, I would say – what do you think, Vince? Like Ghost World or maybe the the book – his book called Caricature, which is a bunch of short stories.
0: Yeah, I would take a different approach. I would smack him over the head with Velvet Oh, Blood really? You go
3: it. right off the deep.
0: Yeah, go off the deep end because then he knows, you know, this guy's capable of some pretty strange yeah, stuff. And yeah. then once it gets into the more character driven pieces, then yeah. Yeah. Those
3: are, those pieces are more like short stories like a Raymond Carver or just some real, you know, um, like a literate sort of short story, you know, a snapshot of somebody's life. And sometimes his stuff is hilarious too. So
0: yeah, unintentionally, I think sometimes.
3: Yeah. So, but sometimes yeah. intentionally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have something that's very hilarious. I don't know if it was intentional or not, okay. but this is from 1972, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the time when DC was putting out the 48 pagers for 25 cents. Oh, yes. It's Superboy. The adventures of Superman when he was a teen. <laughs> and,
3: uh. <laughs> I like how they explained it right there in the title.
0: There you go. The main story is called The Menace of the Mysterious Voyager. And it, it's, it's kind of silly. It's, it's a story by Leo Dorfman, art by Bob Brown and Murphy Anderson. And, um, a construction crew in Metropolis unearths this, this vault. And, uh, despite all their efforts, they hit it with a wrecking ball. They can't open it. And, and and Superboy says, "Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Let me hit it with my my X ray vision just to see what's inside of this thing, uh, just in case it's not like a bomb or something, you know." So he looks inside of. It, he's like, "What?" So he rips the 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 covering off this this vault, and he's really the only person who could do this. Mm-hmm. And who's well, what is inside this vault but a sarcophagus? And contained within is none other than Jules Verne. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yes. Jules Verne, the French writer. And, <laughs> yes, and, and they 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 let him out, and and he's alive, amazingly enough. Okay. And he and and he's like, "Where am I? What century is this?" And Superboy's like, "Hey, dude, you're in Metropolis, America, America. And this this is the twentieth century." Um, and 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 Verne is like amazed. He's looking around. He's like, "This is incredible." And Superboy says, like, "You know." Dude, a lot of the stuff you wrote about has really come to pass. You were like a visionary. You, you saw things that, that actually have come to be. And so the two strike up this weird kind of friendship where Superboy takes Jules Verne uh-huh. to high-security government installations. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> to show him, look, you, you talked about a submarine? Here's a submarine. This is the most advanced submarine our Navy has. And he takes him like uh there's a, a machine that can drill into the earth and he's like, Didn't you talk about this in your book, Journey to the Center of the Earth? You inspired this. You 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 in a sense made this. And things happen along the way that um maybe give Superboy the a reason to believe that this is not Jules Verne. <laughs>
1: Uh-oh. Uh,
0: and it turns out in the end that it wasn't a rival. It's not the Russians. Okay. Right? It's our own damn government testing if Superboy is a security risk or not. So they put, they made this fake Jules Verne and, and embedded him in a sarcophagus, put him in a steel vault, buried him under a building just so Superboy can take him around and and it's like you know superboy's like i i noticed you weren't Jules Verne when you made your first slip and and verne said to superboy to me music has always been important and superboy says that's strange i read that as a young man verne wrote the librettos for sel- several operettas <laughs> and that that <laughs> like why would even superboy think that <laughs> you- like I read that you did some librettos. I don't even think Superboy, like, th- this, this is the kind of stuff that really drives my world. It's so weird. Like, how did Bob Brown and company, Murphy Anderson, Leo Dorfman, how did they, were they just batting ideas around and said, you know what? We should bury Jules Verne and have Superboy dig him up. Cause that would be really cool. And that's the thing about Silver Age books that really sets my world on fire. Anything is possible in these things. Like no premise was outlandish. No,
3: nothing to these was guys. too slight or ridiculous. Oh.
0: No, if they could get a story out of it, they're like, "Shit, yeah, let's do it." <laughs> Jules Verne. Um, that's
3: so bizarre.
0: Jules freaking, and he comes out and he has his top hat on.
3: Yeah, we'll see that.
0: <laughs> he managed, to, but it, <laughs> the, the, it's his reasoning first. Like, why would you believe that Jules Verne actually was was in this thing? The reasoning was that Verne had invented a sort of time machine, which Judging from his his written material, you would think like the guy was convincing enough in to have written a time travel story when that was not the norm. Maybe he had right. information that we weren't privy to. So he said that he invented a time machine and he found himself in Metropolis, and that's that's how he got there through the time machine. So Superboy bought it initially, but he's <laughs> too smart for that, right? So, so uh,
3: so <laughs> short Silver Age comics like that.
0: They're so silly, yeah. but man, you remember them. They yeah. stick with you. There is a Tales from the Files of the Legion of Superheroes featuring Superboy. Uh-huh. Uh, this one is all about the six-legged legionnaire. Okay. And it's after Lana Lang had become the insect queen. This is Superboy issue 181. Lana Lang had become the insect queen in Superboy number 124. And I don't know how she got her powers, but whenever she uses her po- like she can mimic the powers of certain insects. But when she does, her body, just her body, not her head, takes on the physical characteristics of the insect. Like if she is a worm, it will be Lana Lang, her head on the body of a worm.
3: I talk yeah, about lynching. Like, I mean that's like something out of Dan Klaus right there.
0: Yeah, and it's so strange. Um she in, in this story she takes the uh powers of a tent caterpillar, uh a, a standard house fly, let's see, a moth. Um she she becomes a foam bug to there there's a, an airplane um crashing and Lana Lang it's on fire. And it's it's heading towards the, the ground and Lana Lang takes uh, the powers of a foam bug to to shit this kind of fire extinguishing foam from her back end <laughs> onto the plane. And it's like, what? Uh, the whole thing was um Lana... Superboy took Lana to the 31st century just because he had a Legion meeting or something. What? And she's like, oh, I, I would really like to come. And, and she goes along with him. But it's so silly. Um, and eventually... Because Lana, um, who was thought of as ineffectual by Superboy and the Legion, um, she she saves the day against against this giant winged octopus, <laughs> and so she is she's now in the Legion reserves. But
3: now who drew that?
0: This was, I believe, let me uh, tell you exactly, Kurt Swan. See,
3: Kurt, see here's you know they were to- yeah. we talked earlier to tie it all together about you know Kurt Swan. And- gary gross says he's like boring he just draws you know superman flies out the window a story this weird you want kurt swan yeah you want yeah. it to be drawn in the most mundane way possible because that just makes it even stranger
0: it makes it more outlandish right. if, like, you're entirely right we're
3: drawing it it would well okay it's just weird all over but this makes it just disturbing in a way
0: <laughs> yeah because it's played straight mm-hmm. and it it it's it's kind of like um um Latka from um taxi right um, so, yeah. you know it, because he would go on stage and play it so straight where you wouldn't know whether it's a joke or not. And there's that uneasy laughter. That's the thing with Kurt Swan and the story like this, where it's played, he deadpans it and you don't know how to take it, which makes it even better.
3: Oh yeah, completely. Right? I agree.
0: Why can't I remember Lotka's name?
3: Uh, Andy Kaufman.
0: Andy Kaufman. My God, I'm getting old or it could be the bear. <laughs> um, it, after a full page ad for Jonah Hex, Yes, this is right before Jonah Hex started. It says, why were people afraid of this man? Because he was a physical monstrosity or because he was a deadly, merciless killer, a beast without feeling, without conscience. This man they called Jonah Hex. Oh, nice. Yep. And it's, uh, it's an amazing illustration. Uh, the last story in this issue is Superboy and his girlfriend, Lana Lang, who got married. Super marriage or super flop? <laughs> by Bob Brown Murphy Anderson and the story was written by Frank Robbins.
3: Oh, written by him.
0: Yeah, written by Robbins. Um it's basically Lana bitching of course. Be- because um Superboy's never around. Uh he's always out saving somebody and writing <laughs> wrongs and making the world a better place and her girlfriends are like, "Sweetheart, are you serious? Your boyfriend is Superman and you're you're complaining?" Uh, that's basically the whole story. <laughs> You know, yeah. it just shows. That's it. No, it just shows. It shows Superboy doing all these wonderful <laughs> things, and Lana complaining, "Oh, he's never around. I never get to see him." And her girlfriends convince her, "Like, you have the best thing in the world. You have like a man that like everybody respects, and and he likes you." Um. And at the end, Superboy comes in late for their date, um, because he rescued, um, a bunch of children, a bunch of orphans, and he takes them for ice cream. And, and is like, whatever. What the hell, what the hell's wrong with me? Why am I not seeing you're the best thing in the and world? And
3: those stories were written for, you know, little boys who, you know, girls are icky and a big pain in the ass and, yep. you know, it appeals to them.
0: <laughs> but again, uh, <laughs> I got this issue, which is a, there we go. It's time. All right. It's so friggin' time. I got this issue for two bucks. 48 pages for two bucks, less than the price of a current comic book. Do not hesitate. I always say this and nobody listens to me. Do not hesitate. If there's nothing on the racks that are, is, is, you know, really setting your world on fire, investigate the back issues because there is, there is so much gold back there. And I'm sure, you know, maybe this stuff has been reprinted, maybe not. You run the risk. I don't know. I don't have the com- uh, complete chronology of what DC has reprinted, but seriously. Two bucks? How can you go wrong? Mm. It's so freaking strange. You and I vibe on the strange. Oh,
3: completely. Oh, those are some of my favorite comics ever. Those uh, Silver Age stuff. That's why I would buy up all the showcases for that stuff.
0: See, I can't talk showcase when Jason's here. (laughs) He zones out. I can tell. You can actually hear him going into la la land where (laughs) where the spreadsheet comes up with the cells and everything. He's just like, uh, uh, uh. showcases are great i love them. david likes the showcases it's
3: just pure entertainment it's just yeah, yep. it's just fascinating stuff
0: who cares if the paper's crap oh
3: i don't care. i mean just buy them to read them you know I'm,
0: yeah I'm sure. color, or Or color
3: yeah it. yeah you do yeah. whatever you want with them it was little,
0: that is so bad. baffling to me that current trend with the coloring books oh, i yes. mean kudos to anybody making money off it like scotty and and, yeah. and people like that but where did this come from
3: it is weird isn't it yeah it's odd
0: no, I'm serious. Where did it, like, when did it come? <laughs> Was it an Oprah thing? Or, or like the view where they said, you know, oh, I'm so relaxed coloring these That's things. Like, like how did that happen?
3: Missing, yeah. I don't understand it, but hey.
0: D- David, do you know? No. Cause David knows a lot of
3: things.
0: Hey, he does. I Miller. He, he certainly does. <laughs> All right.
1: What else do we have? David? I have tons, tons of stuff. <sighs> I, I know. He always has tons of stuff. I'm not going to talk about it, but I have tons of stuff. <laughs> just just know that i have tons of stuff i could be talking about how far did you get on bloodshot Read more. i I didn't i read the second issue of archer and armstrong i started the third i didn't even okay
0: all right what'd you think of the archer and armstrong
1: it's still fun armstrong's an asshole he's just i mean but at least he's he's admitting it he's not he is dude He's it's not. on his girl's, it's on his guy's girl and, he, and, and he doesn't realize shit that he's done. He's fucking, he got so drunk that he threw fucking Bacchus into the, in, in, into the satchel and, and, you know, forgot about shot, him. not for nothing, but <laughs> Renee's new bag is his Armstrong satchel because she was looking for fucking keys in that thing today for like 20 minutes. Uh,
0: before we talk about it, set it up, written by Rafer Roberts. Art by David LaFuente, uh, Ryan Wynn, and color art by Brian Reaver. And it's published by Valiant, as if we had to tell you.
1: As if you don't know.
0: No, I, I don't think Armstrong's an a, a douche. I really don't. I think when you are... When you have the benefit of eternal life, certain things penetrate your consciousness, and certain things don't. I mean, you become... Immune to the mundane, I would guess. And, and maybe just securing a bottle of whiskey is, is all that matters to you. Like the, you, you look, you have, you have the benefit of having seen the world for centuries. More. If, you know, and you just see like, it just, the stuff that matters bubbles to the top and the stuff that doesn't, doesn't. Right? So, He can be a little douchey. Maybe he can be a little bit esoteric in in his concerns, right? But he, I think he loves Archer. He really does, does. which is why he is because Archer grounds him in a sense, right? Yeah, it it brings him back to the humanity for each other.
1: Armstrong is is showing archer the, the the way of the world and and how things are is, there is a world outside of Jesus writing dinosaurs, and then you have um, <laughs> and, and then Archer is you know letting Armstrong know you can 't just you can 't be a balloon china shop you can 't just do shit and and think there are no consequences to your actions and and we're seeing that because. There are flashbacks at the beginning of each issue where, it, what's his friend's name, Frank? I think it's Frank. And, uh. Frank and Muriel. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but Muriel comes in later and one night everybody's drunk after a mission and, uh, Frank's pretty much passing out. But, uh, Muriel and, and Armstrong, Aram are playing darts and Aram goes to, this is before they're engaged, before they're married. Uh, maybe not before they're engaged, but it's before they're married. And, and so Armstrong goes to kind of get a kiss. And, he, and that's when him. Frank wakes up. And at that point, it's just like, you know, I thought you were my friend. A friend would not do this to me. Uh, take advantage of us in our, in our current state. Um, so we're going to kind of just not yeah, hang they kinda, out. They, they broke it off. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, um, Frank being immortal. He dies and that kind of puts Armstrong in a bad way. And so, um, once he realizes that the thing he's looking for is in the bag, his, his magical bag of holding, he goes into the bag to get a bottle of whiskey. That's his, his motivation to get this bottle because it matters. It meant something to the deceased. Yeah. Yeah. And while he's in there, uh, the god of, of revelry, Bacchus, who was used to great effect by Eddie Campbell. Will back me up on okay. that. Um, he left Bacchus in the bag and Bacchus is not happy. He's like, you imprisoned me in here for centuries, dude. Like, what's the deal? And, um, meanwhile, while they're in the bag, uh, Mary Maria, Archer's half sister, and she's the, the head of this, this uh Sisters of Perpetual Darkness, they're ninja nuns. <laughs> they all have names like Brittany, Brittany. and <laughs> uh <laughs> I I love this book. I really do. It's 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 atypical even for Valiant.
1: I mean, and every page is so goddamn hacked. I mean,
0: Am I right? You know,
1: yeah, Fuente doesn't uh go easy at all sister miley sister kaylee sister Brittany. uh yeah they are just and they and they get slapped down by um by mary maria it's it's a uh no it's it's a lot of fun i know that um the first issue this is a continuation of the first issue i know jason you were much higher on the first issue than jason and i were i was in the middle um I love the first. Yeah, and I, I, it wasn't what I was expecting and, and I, um, I, I can appreciate that and, and this is becoming, it's, it was a setup and it was a whole, it, it's continuing that, the, the second issue and, and the third. And, um, it is, it's, it's a little out there. It's, it's the more the, it's, it's not bloodshot. It's not Eternal Warrior. It's not Nick Jack. It is, it's, 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 it's almost, it's... Dude, Davy the mackerel. <laughs> I know, it's, it's like the Howard the Duck of the Valiant Universe. Yeah, there's a fish. A talking fish. It's the ambush bug of the Valiant Universe. He is kinda ambush buggy.
0: Yeah. That, and this is pure, uh, Rafer Roberts. If you've read his stuff, the, the, there's a talking mackerel that was imprisoned in the bag. And he just joins the, the excitement. It's just so, do you, do you need any other information than that? A talking macro? Like, read this book. It's just so off kilter and off the wall. Yeah. And, but at the, the, the heart of it is the relationship between Archer and Armstrong. And why, you know, Archer is, he's a virgin. And raised to do a specific thing by diehard, you know, uh, Christians. Are there and any other? The, kind? No, well yes, there are other kinds. <laughs> the, the world just seems so, so strange and, and forbidding to him. And he hooks up with the absolute worst person he could probably hook up with, which was the person he was trained to kill in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and then they find themselves in this other dimensional realm, which is the bag and all of the, the, the uh, strange stuff that's in there. It does, the physics do not operate, um, in the bag the way they do outside of the bag. It's just it's it's just an excuse to tell really cool um off the cuff stories. And it's, it's 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 a pleasure to read this every month.
1: It's the kind of story that I would expect like maybe in the um in the new quantum and woody. I agree, but it 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 works with with this it's, back- it's I mean and it's not I mean you could still You can still enjoy the Fred Van Lente, Archer and Armstrong. Uh, You can Mm -hmm. go back and read that and it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's great. Beautiful setup. Um. This is more of the same, but there's just a weird. Yeah,
0: there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a strange edge to this one that the, the Van Lente stuff, while fun, didn't, didn't have this, this, um. I, I like to think that Rayford Roberts is making it up as he's going along, which means as he's letting inspiration. From whatever source, drive him as to where these characters are going to go. That to me is great. I love storytelling like that, where you know one has the the benefit of just letting the external influence what's going on in this this fictional realm. That that, that works really well for me. It feels that way anyway. If it if that's not how he's doing it, he's doing a damn good job faking it that he's doing it that way. No,
1: no, no. You're right. You're absolutely right. Cool.
0: What else do we want to talk about? You, you have something before I brought up Archer and Armstrong. <laughs> I know you do. Me? What
1: do you- yeah, you. Uh, I read the, um, the first two issues of Empress by, oh boy. You didn't like it? Um, go ahead. <laughs> 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 <gonna be> good. <laughs> uh, well it, it's weird because I'm bringing up a Mark Miller book uh this is published by Marvel under the icon imprint art by Stuart Eminent and uh, Wade on grow badger with uh, Ive have and as uh your colorist it is um it's very fast paced it it's I'm not saying it's a quick read, but the story is moving at such a great clip that it's you want to spend a lot of time on each page because the art is absolutely stunning but um I have a feeling this is gonna be a very padded out story uh it's it's how many issues- i think it's seven issues uh it's the this double page spread with this dinosaur is gorgeous it Ba- yes, basically there um many, 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 many years ago. We're talking uh s- like sixty five million years ago. Sixty five million years ago before uh Earth is the Earth, you and I know it. Um this is the story basically of Earth's first rulers. Uh and the the king Is, is holding court. You're, you're, you're being set up with everybody. You're, you're figuring out who everybody is, the parts they play almost immediately. Uh, the king takes no shit, suffers no fools. There were three people who are being held in court before the king. And, uh, they're, they're being charged with a crime, these three. And they want to know why they're on trial. What, what, what is their crime? The king says uh, incitement to uh, disobedience. The remains of your colleagues lie scattered at your feet and you're charged with encouraging his outspoken behavior. And, and the three of them are saying, you know, we shouted him down when he said he was overworked. We were the ones who reported him. And, and King Morax is like, yeah, that's not enough, though. Um, you could have done more. You could have, um, well, he says, cleaved his skull for dishonoring your master. You could have beaten the death with your bare hands and fought your friends for the privilege to do so. And since you didn't, you're going to pay the price. So, he says, basically, you can fight me or the monster of your choice. And so they Decide to take on the monster. So we don't know quite yet how badass the king is, but we kind of have an idea. Um, so they go to take on the the monster, which is a beautiful blue looking T Rex. Um, and the king's like, you know, this is all for you, my queen. And and the queen's like, yeah, that's the, that's great. Of course it is. The, thank you so very much. And she turns to her bodyguard and she's like, ooh, we got to bounce. And that's now. Now the story takes off. Now her her bodyguard her uh the guy responsible for her well-being and and to, and protecting her children and the king's children um he's going to get her off this planet they're going to escape they're going to you find out in the second issue where they're headed um actually no i think it's the end of the first issue you find out where they're headed um the the um yes it's at the end of the first issue you know where they're headed because we get a flashback the king is very impressed that you go back years ago um when the king first puts his eyes on uh Emporia and she's a waitress at the club he's that so he says well you're way too pretty to be you know serving drinks come over here sit on my lap we'll enjoy the show um, and he says, "You will want for nothing. You will have everything your heart desires. The only thing, the 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 only demand he has is that she never, ever discuss the days before she knew the king, and she has no problem doing that." So where they're headed is, uh, ties into that because there's something that the king does not know. They're, um, so they're escaping. King wants them. So, so now we're, we're, we're getting a chase and, and the second issue kind of just continues that. We're introduced to a couple more characters. It is a gorgeous looking book. I do not think there's seven issues of story here. (laughs) That was kind of my problem too. I,
0: I thought it looked beautiful, but there's no hook for me. I thought, I thought the story was way too slowly paced.
1: Yeah, it's slowly paced, but it's, it's moving quickly. Cause I mean, they're, now they're on this other planet and they have to get the transporter and or the teleporter and now they're going to go. It's, so it's, it's, it's moving as far as the story goes. Everything's happening quickly, but yeah, as far as, you know, getting, over two, two issues, this is as far we've gotten with, with as much movement as there has been. It, I would think we'd be further along by now. It looked great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it really did. It may make a, 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 a fetching hardcover, but, um, yeah. yeah, I, I, I may wait until another couple issues come out before I go back to it just to see if, if it reads better in chunks.
0: You better send Mark Miller some of that Chris Somney money. Because you've been digging on
1: his stuff for uh, quite a while. Let's not get carried away. I, there was uh the, the Flash Gordon ripoff. That was good. I like that. that yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Starlight. Starlight. Yeah, thank you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's great when you call something the Flash Gordon ripoff. I, am I wrong?
3: I don't think he could argue against it being it's it is.
1: I mean, <laughs> no, but it was fun. Of, it
3: was well done.
2: It
1: was. It. It. it absolutely was. It it was gorgeous. Parlor art is, is 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 Miller has no problem working with some fucking talented artists. Oh. And and um and Jason and I are digging Huck. So, yeah. he is reading right there. He's writing there. So, there's um Yeah, he's right there. Okay. So, it's uh like two things since Red Sun. I mean, come on. It's like so I, He gets a check. He does. (laughs) All right, buddy. (laughs) And I did read the uh the second and third issues of America Monster, but I'll wait for Jason to come back so we can uh Yeah do that. that. Did you? No. Are you reading that well? Are you reading any of the uh
3: No, I haven't picked up any of those. Is that the one to pick up? Is it is it worth it? Worth American Monster? Uh
1: it is it's I think it's visually one strong book it is um that's
3: azzarello's writing it right
1: yeah yeah azzarello yeah. and and wando it is okay. it's and it's it's definitely azzarello it's not a hundred bullets but it 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 has it's that feel you know Azarello's writing it and, mm-hmm. and um which which is a good thing it's uh the rough writers wasn't bad jason and i talked about it we talked about a few of them um i i was digging second sight i have to go back to that i'm a couple behind um and Insects is, is good too. So I mean, they're, they have a couple. They're, they're not, they're not batting a thousand, but, but they've got some pretty decent output. But I think, I, I think American Monster is, um, is probably the, the highlight.
3: Excellent. I will check that out then.
1: And for the record, those of you
0: keeping score, we have not talked a single word about the rebirth titles this week.
1: <laughs> are we going to? Or are we, I, it's,
0: I don't know, that's entirely up to you. I, I read two of them.
3: I read one of them.
0: What did you read?
3: I read, I, and I think this is new this week. The, uh, Tom's, uh, the Batman number one. Right. That is that
1: one? new? Yeah, yes. I read that one okay. too. Well, the Batman rebirth was a couple of weeks ago. This is now Batman number Batman one. Batman
3: number one, thing. right, right. Yeah.
1: yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah,
3: I did too. I was, I thought it was
0: really, and, and I sometimes have a problem with Finch. Yeah. Yeah, but but I didn't. This issue it was
3: fine. I mean, if if I def I like the writing more than the art on this one. Yep, and not just because it's Tom, but it just I real I like this take on Batman where he's like, he's not crazy. He's you know he's a guy who's going to do what it takes to save the day, and he's got a plan, and he's willing to sacrifice and you know sacrifice everything if needs be. So I, I really like that.
0: I thought it was neat that Batman. Who we all know has no superpowers <laughs> saved an airplane right right from 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 crashing, and it's like that that to me is I can't even conceive of of getting onto the plane, saving the plane, bringing the plane down, and it's just like and then he goes to something else mm-hmm. at the end like it was no big deal to him,
3: and he was perfectly willing to die saving right.
0: The- yeah. I mean, right.
3: Yeah, yeah. It, like, is this a good way to go? And Alfred's like, yeah, it's a good way to go. And then I won't spoil the ending, but there was a little surprise at the end. but
1: Yeah. Right. Although, I...
3: kind of, I don't
1: know. Okay. Well, what also rebirth.
3: Cover show. Yeah, I guess, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the cover gives, they seem to just be, they're like, fuck it. This is what's going on in the issue. You can't judge yeah, a book but... by our covers.
0: I gotta say the Finch cover is way better than the, the, uh, Tim Sale cover. I think
3: I yes. got the, I got the Finch cover, I guess. I, yeah.
1: I think
0: Gordon needs a laxative.
1: Gordon needs to like close his mouth a bit. Every, every, yeah, every he's image. It's like, why are you screaming dude? You're in a car. It's like you're in front of it. It's just, just, shh. but I think, <laughs> I think Bat, I think Banning, Matt Banning is, is much better on Finch than like Danny Meekie or some of the other dudes that yeah, we've I had. Would, totally agree. Um, yeah, yeah. The art was not wouldn't when I first was like, Oh yay, David I I was fine with the with the art, the exception of Gordon. I think my my only issue with this was um and it was neat, you know, hey it's Batman riding an airplane, but mm-hmm. it was a little that, that's where I was just like that's it's not Spider Man. It's not I mean he he's He's got no powers. He's on top of an air. It's not, it's not, right. But see, that's the thing. It's like, it's not flying at top speed at this point, but it's still high in the air going pretty goddamn fast. And I'm like, it's on an airplane. I know. know. Like fighting an airplane. But but part, but part of me was just like, it's this close from missing Bat Sharper Planet Uh, I don't
0: know. But he jettisons out of the battle. Oh, no, it it was a great.
1: Right. Onto yeah, the plane. Yeah, he
3: drives the car it's, through the bridge first. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yep. And it's and, not like he's not—he's not winging it. He's not doing it all on his own. He's got oh, he's, no, no. he's He's taking things apart so he can attach it to the wings, and he's talking to Alpha. I mean, so it's—it's it's a team effort, and I love that about it. It's um,
0: it's totally outlandish. It really right. is.
1: That that a a a a passenger plane
0: of that size. Could not only be brought down by a man, but navigating through buildings. (laughs) Like there's there's one point in the story where he tilts.
3: He tilts the point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, to go through the. It's just it's insane. But it's it's a human being. It's not that. that, Can you picture a police officer, like somehow getting on top of it's? There's nothing different, Or, or a firefighter, or like a doctor or something. He's just a human being. Yes, he's physically. More than a human being because he's trained himself to do that, but he's nothing but a dude, and he brings down like a seven (laughs) forty (laughs) seven. I thought I I, like Tom's making a statement with this. Yeah, he really is.
3: Big. It's a it's a big story. Yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, I I mean I enjoyed (laughs) it. Yeah, I liked it. I like.
0: I liked it a lot. I'm not sure. I don't like the design. Of the, the Gotham and Gotham Girl costumes They're okay Oh
1: see Will was trying to like you know
3: I was trying to not
1: It's on the cover
3: You don't know who now. they
1: are until you read the last page No you don't yeah, know who up? they are
0: You don't even know who they are on the last yeah, page no. right No
3: you really don't But you know what they can do I guess Yeah
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd Far be it for me to shy away from a miniskirt But I just think that <laughs> The costumes are, over here? Yeah. You know Yeah you use old English for your, your logo. Is that logo. for a
3: logo? That's not gonna read, you know.
0: you You can't even read that <laughs> shit. Even open <laughs> yeah.
3: First of all, go sans serif, people.
0: <laughs> Seriously. My man. <laughs> Love it. But no, I thought this was a great start. Yeah, I like this. I, he certainly captured my attention, but, um, let's get Gordon the laxative. <laughs> We're some kind of happy I'm, I'm, pills
1: because he's
0: really high strung man.
1: I'd like to know more about uh Mr. Observe the Clock who's taking out Cobra operatives.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And I wonder, is this Cobra
0: the Kirby Cobra? It's the uh see. it A-O-B-R-A looks like R A Cobra, I think. Yeah,
3: yeah by it's the Kirby, yeah, isn't
0: it? Yeah the costume lends me
1: to believe that it's, it's Kirby yeah, Cobra. Well, and also, yeah, cause that's the one with the, he was, uh, in Batman and the Outsiders or Alan Davis was drawing it. Batman had to take him on. So yeah, I mean, yeah, Kirby Cobra, but I never think of him that way. Yeah. I didn't read that. Not yet. You didn't. <laughs> I will probably, yeah. but no
0: great start by, uh, Mr. Tom King and company. I thought it was, it was, um, notable. It just, I, I still can't get it out of my head that friggin' Batman brought down off 747. <laughs> it's like- And know, having
3: uh, a
1: full conversation while he's doing it.
3: Oh, completely. It, yeah. Yeah, so no big yeah, no. deal.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll get that. I to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm gonna take this plane down, but I just gotta know, would mom and dad have been proud of me? Yeah, it be. Everything I've done all these years, but will this be the moment where they're proud of me?
3: <laughs> Alfred's like, yeah, yeah. Be yeah, they've <laughs> just
1: we've gone over this before. You said you read two. What was
0: the other one? David. Oh, Green Arrow.
1: Oh, you say it? Oh, Green Arrow. Because yeah. I didn't know you. I thought I, I thought I said it. one, and I thought you said two, but I was I didn't know yeah. who you were talking. I read Green
0: Arrow too. What do you think? I'm tickled pink that our buddy Otto Schmidt is back on the art. I didn't think he was going to make the transition between the
1: the uh, the re- rebirth title and the the ongoing, but obviously he is. Well, he's the the rebirth in this one because we were talking about previews last month how um, Ferreira is doing what three and four, so maybe every two issues. I don't know.
0: Okay, well, whatever the case, I thought this issue looked great. This issue I'm guessing- did look great. Yeah, I'm guessing. But, you know, props to Ollie, having
1: just met her, and he gets her in the sack that quick. <laughs> we were led to believe they'd be in the sack by the end of the pre-birth issue. Yeah, but I mean,
0: I, I can't, that's a superpower right there. Well, yeah. Getting a woman that looks like that into the sack, like the first time you meet her, but.
3: That's better than landing a plane.
0: I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That There's a big payoff, I think. But no, I thought this issue looked spectacular. I would guess knowing David that it was the the problems David had with the rebirth issue remained only, yeah, with this.
1: Yeah, they only continued here. I thought the last page was pretty neat. That was, a, I, but I know we know nothing of, of Emmy. So I have no idea who the hell she is. So by the time we get to the end of the issue with this reveal, I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sure this is supposed to be pretty heavy. Um, but I think my main issue, yes, the dialogue, like last time, was kind of like the pacing there's there's a um there's What's a the scene, scene where where Ali is taking Dinah around he's he's showing her all the sites or all the sites that have Queen's name attached to them, but they're having just one he's just having one conversation or his side of the conversation, but we're we're in each panel we're hitting you know Queen's helping hand, which is Uh, soup kitchen and and queen's children hospital and queen's diamond public park and then queen's fresh start where where battered women and 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 uh victims of domestic abuse can can have a safe haven and it's just like it's like that you didn't need to have one long ass motorcycle ride to show us everything that has the queen name attached to it it's just one of those things where i'm like it's so pretty to look at. And as I'm reading it and going along with the pictures, I'm like, this, this is just really not matching up for me, but it does look fantastic. I, I thought the, um, the art oh. was great in there. There's enough here, especially with, uh, with Ollie's accountant now in the mix here. There's, there's enough going on. Dude, Dinah's perfect. She is absolutely perfect. Oh yeah. No, there's. It, mm. That's my template right there, homeboy. You know the the next issues when, when Ferreira comes on, he's he's got some big, big issues. issues oh
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. But see, she's I I don't know what she's got working on her though, because she he shows her all that stuff, and then she just like she walks away from him. Like, how can he not be? How can he not prove to you that he is altruistic? Like, look at all the stuff that he does. And she still finds fault with it. You know it's what I mean? Like like, we
1: barely know each other. Chick, you were in his bed twenty minutes ago. Seriously.
0: You <laughs> gave him the gold and now you're just like, nah, I don't know. I don't get it. But it's a woman for you, right? That's true. Who can figure them out? I just want to know, was Shadow a thing in the New Fifty Two? Because I didn't read a lot of Green Air. Yeah,
1: during the uh I believe she was in the Lemire run with the um not the League of Assassin stuff, but with, like Damien Dark and there was- but Did it pick up the- it, This is the same shadow from before? I think so. Okay. I mean, she looks an awful lot like the Longbow Hunter shadow.
0: That's what I'm is, saying. I mean, yeah. you know,
1: why- you, There's really no reason to fuck with something if it works. It's a good look. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, damn!
1: No, it's probably not drawn by Mike Rell. Oh... You don't like your ninjas to look Native American? No.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I gotta say, I, Green Arrow, like I said, is a hard sell for me. But so far, win-win. The rebirth and this number one issue were great. Can't, I, I just can't wait to see where this goes. Yeah, it's so pretty.
1: The last time you said that about a Green Arrow book,
0: <laughs> I can't even remember. And I, 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 I have to be honest. Neil Adams cover
1: I don't think I saw that one
3: yeah I don't think I did either
0: y- you don't really have to
3: because mm-hmm.
0: it's a little weird no <laughs> Adams. yeah it's it's a little weird stop yeah.
3: from the man who created Batman Odyssey
0: I <laughs> I know it's it's just I I prefer the uh I think Oh for- no I
1: have seen it
0: yeah, Ferrero did the, the regular cover. I think um Adams does the the variant. It's just I don't know. It's there's something about it that's just I don't know if it's the color or or the the, the pose that Ollie's in. Oh, this is a
1: Ferrero cover on the main? I, I think so, so. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm gonna be feeling his Dinah. Yeah, she's pretty. Yeah it is. It is. It is one. Yeah, I mean, it's. It looks like it looks like Ollie on the Neil cover. It's. It's definitely. It looks a like Green, Green Arrow, um, but it, he's, he's having. Yeah. It, it looks like he's clicking his heels three times, and and there's some movement going on. It's just. It's,
0: yeah, it's, it's just. I don't know. And to put so much time and effort into the compound bow, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that seems to be the thing. They're all doing that now. It's crazy. I, yeah,
0: it's got. That's. Like, the, I like to think that that Ollie. Doesn't need a supercharged bow. <laughs> that, that 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 the skill is in the archer, not the employees the the in the
1: wheels. Yes,
0: yeah. I don't know. I don't get. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's a thing. You're right. It's a thing now. But whatever. But he does have the quiver, which I appreciate. I do like the quiver, being being the full back quiver yeah, like that. Yeah whereas in the ferrera one it looks like it's just like a tube it
1: does, <laughs> like he would it's run out of arrows in like 3 it's seconds a tube from the avengers movie and again yeah. on this cover who's there but shadow so the last page reveal is still like oh i knew you were coming cuz i they, looked at the they cover are,
0: they are yeah telegraphing it on the covers but that's okay as long as people I mean that's the thing it. yeah it's
1: not it, yeah, they if, want to... as you're reading the story i was thinking about it yesterday when i was talking about the um last week uh not the superman book the detective comics issue where you know everybody's on the cover and then you read the story and bruce is like oh there's still one more person even without the cover you'd still read that story and and that'd be fine it's it's a neat surprise so the story itself it's not the old days where hey i have this great idea for a cover build a story around it, it right. it's they obviously have a story done you're going to do a cover I want a cover featuring, you know, what's in the issue, what's going on. I mean, I kind of like this more than the single image of the character on on a blank white background that's, you know, made to be a poster or someone's wallpaper. There's at least some action stuff going on on the DC covers. But, yeah, there's still it's it's weird for me to read a story where it's designed to be a surprise when you've already played your hand. 22 pages back.
0: Right. And, uh, for the record, Kevin Nolan inked that Neil Adams one. Did he? Really? Yep. Yep. That must be the good part about it. He did. I don't want to say nothing bad about Neil. Neil. He does. He makes his, he makes his choices. he uh, got those mm-hmm. checks to send him. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of sending checks. Awesome. Oh, suck. snappy. Mm-hmm. If you want to get cheap inexpensive comic books and get a lot of them for your dollar there's only one place to go and that is discount comic book service dcbservice.com they're our sponsor for good reason we would only pitch it to you if we believed in the company and we we stand by this these dcbs are the absolute best you're not going to find cheaper comics anywhere such as uh this month you can get blue beetle number one rebirth for a dollar forty nine Witchfinder, City of the Dead, number one, for $1.75. And the trade paperback collection of the first six issues of David Walker and Sanford Green's Power Man and Iron Fist for a paltry $8.99. All those, you'll save 50%. All of them. In your travels. I wanted to talk at length about this book, but... Thinking about it, there's really only one thing that's notable about it, and that is the death of of a certain character. David, do you remember how um, Captain Stacy died? Yes. Okay. Captain Stacy um, pushed an innocent out of the way to save their lives, and in doing so, succumbed to the... um, byproduct of a uh a superhero battle right and i read the hulk heart of the atom which details the hulk's um adventures in the microverse Mm -hmm. specifically Jarella's world and uh, you have harlan ellison roy thomas archie goodwin len ween bill mantlo and peter gillis writing Pencillers are Herb Trimpey and Sal Basima, inks by Sam Granger, John Severin, Sal Trapiani, Joe Staton, Sal Basima, and Mike Esposito. And I think, number one, Harlan Ellison, titling his story The Brute That Shouted Love at the Heart of the Atom, is probably one of the best titled Marvel stories of all time. That's
3: right. Playing on its yeah. own. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they even talk about, uh, repent harlequin said the TikTok man. Like one of the characters that walk into the room and says, repent harlequin. And like he makes a play on his own, on his own story. It's just, it's, it's just weird, strange stuff. But in a nutshell, the, the, the Hulk is shrunk to microscopic size and goes to Jarella's world and they fall in love. But Jarella, I thought was a great character and I don't know if it was a case of we don't know what to do with this character or, you know, maybe it was a Gwen Stacy thing where we thought, you know, in order for the character to to uh connect with the readers, they have to suffer like the Hulk. But Jarella is killed. Um um Doc Sampson breaks the slide containing uh the microscope microscope slide containing Jarella's world and she's stuck. Oh, shit in 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 our in our world Dick. and and at one point the hulk is battling um not what's his uh, not cycloman I'll get his name it's it's just like a two bit villain but it's really not uh the 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 it's um. damn it it's Cy- not cycloman where am i looking here i don't know cryptoman okay cryptoman but he's being controlled. He's just a a, a very high powered battle suit. And he's being controlled by this mysterious, shadowy person that wants to be known as a great supervillain. Like he wants to do damage to the Hulk and then he could be he can be respected as a supervillain. And we never really see who this person is. But at one point in the story, the Hulk is battling it with this crypto man, and crypto man's really strong. Like he has Initially, he has 50% of Thor's strength, but this shadowy villain type person jacks it up where he has 100% of Thor's strength. So it's essentially the Hulk battling Thor, which is pretty much a pitched battle, right? Mm -hmm. I won't get into the whole who's stronger, Hulk or Thor, but they're on the same level, right? But during the battle, buildings get destroyed and Jarella notices that there's a child in the path of the debris and she goes to push the child out of the way and she gets killed and being a hulk fan it's really painful for me to read this damn thing because i love the hulk and to see the hulk like to see the hulk cry that's tough because the hulk is all like you know smash and and no one understands me and i'm ostracized and puny humans always trying to hurt hulk and you know it's it's tough but when 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 banner when the hulk first met Jarella, the the uh her court magicians cast a spell on him where he could understand the language and in doing so they bubbled up the banner psyche to the to the top and the hulks took a back seat so it was really banner falling in love with Jarella, and and when she dies it's, it's Banner and Jarela. So when, when, um, you know, he's, they're, they're, they're walking through Manhattan and they're going through, you know, the shops and stuff and, and Banner stands up for her when a bunch of, can, you know, ne'er-do-wells kind of like, Hey, baby, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it's painful to read this, to see the Hulk like finally have someone, not only a woman who loves him, but she has green skin too, you know, and it's just, I don't I I think they like Gwen I think they 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 discarded the character way before her shelf life because there was so many stories that could have been explored with Hulk and Jarella and they just killed her off because it was just uncharted territory. You know, a kind of like Jerry Conway with Gwen. Uh, really? Like yeah. did she really have to die? No. No. And I'm thinking the same thing in this story i mean these stories are great it 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 um reprints hulk um wow i don't have my glasses on but it's like uh 140 then it jumps to like 150 something and it goes all the way up to, to issue 200 the 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 Jarella storyline was dragged out forever by the creative teams and she would find the hulk and they'd be together and then someone would take the Hulk away. Most pro like probably Cyclops. And I'm not I'm not talking about the X-Men Cyclops. This is Cyclop. The huh. the villain with he's got like the one bug eye. <laughs> and uh it, it's just like Hulk lands in Jorella um land and then he's taken away. And then Jorella he's taken away again and then Jarella comes to Earth and then she's taken away because she dies. And it's just it's almost painful to read. But this is this is a um a really important time in Hulk history. I would say that if not for these stories, Planet Hulk would never be. Yeah, yeah it's kind of the same thing. You know, when when Hulk landed in Jorella um in Jarella's world, he was saw he was seen as a king, and they they welcomed him. And they, um, it's basically Planet Hulk, right? Like he he had some struggles initially, but he he won the populace over. He won the queen over. She fell in love with him, much like in Planet Hulk, and then she was killed. So in a lot of ways, Planet Hulk is just a retelling of this whole Jarella thing, albeit you know better, but. Um Heart of the Atom. It's great stuff. That wasn't a ringing endorsement, was it?
3: No, but it made it sound interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's interesting. And there's a character at the end that I completely forgot about. The Gardener. David, do you remember the Gardener? Sounds familiar. The Gardener has a soul gem. Huh. Yeah. And 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 the Hulk. He's he's totally despondent over Jarella's death. He doesn't know what to do. But the thing that pops into his mind first is I'm gonna go see the magic man. And maybe the magic man can bring Jarella back. And of course by the magic man he's talking about Doctor Strange. So he goes to Greenwich Village and on the way, like humans uh they just attack him because he's the Hulk, right? He's a threat. And even when he gets to Greenwich Village, the defenders attack him That's as a threat. And and all he wants to do is have Bring Jarella back and Doctor Strange like, buddy, I can't do anything. She's dead. So the Hulk brings Jarella back to her world. And when he gets to her world, everything is like destroyed, like it's ravaged because there's these, um, earthquakes and stuff that happen because of something previously in, in the story. And, uh, this gardener character has made an oasis in this one Point, this one part of Jarello's world, and the dude has a soul gem. And I was like, how did this happen? And if you read in the back of the, the, the hardcover, they do some, uh, pages, they include some pages from the Who's, the, uh, Marvel handbook for the, the Marvel universe. And in the Gardner's, uh, section, it's just like, yeah, he actually had a soul gem. Mm. Gave it up, and then retrieved it. And, uh, he's big doings. And I, I don't remember this character ever. Like, I don't recall seeing the Gardener in, in recent Marvel continuity. If the guy had a soul gem, Thanos at one point would have had to go and take it. Right? To make the Infinity yeah. outlet. And I, I think. don't remember, I don't remember the Gardener at all. So, whether he was discarded after the fact or, or not remains to be seen but yeah hulk heart of the atom it's a great hardcover but it's sad it's so freaking sad oh. to see the hulk find actually actually find someone that that accepts him for who he is and loves him and then she's just like killed in this offhand way like a victim of 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 collateral damage
1: it's weird weird it is but i love it so in your in your travels be mopey
0: that's right. Exactly. In your travels, pick up the the heart of the atom and, <laughs> and 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 watch you can you believe a Hulk can cry? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it's great art. Herb Trimpe, and Pasadena. Come on. Severin
3: inks on some of that. Nice.
0: I I think that is a magic team. Severin and Trimpy, Oh my god. Oh, yeah. yeah. Severin. Uh, I'm not gonna say it again. You know what I? Uh, my opinion. Is Severin. So good. Yep.
1: Oh, man. So what else do we have? Uh Well, Vince, if you can, uh, I'm curious to read more of the Comics Journal number 80. Number 80? Because that's okay. part two. Cover. I don't know who's on the cover. It's part two of a George Perez interview. The New Teen Titans are on the cover to 79. Okay. So they have an interview with Perez and then they have an interview with Wolfman. I think Wolfman's entire interview is in this issue, but only half of um, it's a weird looking cover too, because it's not Is it like the
3: purple cover like?
1: It's it's yellow. And oh, okay. Robin and Wonder Girl are playing Frisbee and Cyborg is Manning the Grill.
3: Like shot from above, like? Yes. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Scott
1: Scott Hampton is the artist.
0: Okay. Man, it's just crazy.
1: Um with the
0: checkerboard um with the yeah. Tablecloth. Uh, Tablecloth, yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and, okay. and Donna's weird looking foot. So there's um <laughs> Oh see, there you go. You're doing it.
2: <laughs>
1: I am John Burr. So there's so yeah, so that's so that's seventy nine. I, I want to read the rest of uh Perez's interview. In your travels, I did not get to finish all fourteen issues because the first six were so fucking painful of uh Superman oh. grounded. Oh okay. Um there are there are certain writers who can write characters and tell great stories with them, like J. Michael Straczynski can really tell a good Thor story. Um up until the end. <laughs> and but I don't think he's your guy to write Superman. <laughs> And it's made abundantly clear in the first couple pages of of Grounded. I am finally up to the Roberson chapters with, um, I think, 709. But it's... uh And it is two interludes. I think, no, three. Two of them are written by G. Willow Wilson. Uh, one is about Lois covering Superman's walkabout. And then the other is... Um, uh, oh, crap. There was one is is from Perry White's perspective because a blogger is uh took a picture of Superman and Lois Lane kissing and Perry wants to get to the bottom of this because he knows Lois Lane is married to Clark Kent and this is bullshit turns out that the blogger was just using a doctored postcard from a party flyer um <laughs> Oh, of course, photoshopped to make it look like yeah, it was Lois and, and and Superman, and it was like for a costume party. So I mean, it. But whenever I don't mean to interrupt okay. you, but I, I'm
0: gonna, Whenever <laughs> a writer has Superman go on walkabout, <laughs> it tells me that they've run out of yeah, ideas. Seriously, like remember when Jurgens and Company did it when Superman would exile himself to right. space. And he he went on all those adventures in space, and he met Matrix, and well, he ran into Matrix. That just tells me they've ran out of ideas what to do with Superman on Earth, and now they're just they're just winging it. Yeah. It, that is did that feel the same way for you with this
1: grounded this thing? This is it. I'll I'll go into it when I when I finish the entire arc. It's. Superman is just, he's trying to find out if, if, if truth, justice, the American way, if they're just words, if there's actually something that he's trying to connect with the common man. And instead of flying around and, and seeing everybody from above, he's trying to get a feel for, he's trying to walk into the people's shoes and, and he's trying to see what else is in the world that he usually misses when he's so high above everyone. But. It, it does not, this, this could have been a backup story, and or a backup story over a few issues. This did not need to be an entire, I mean the covers are absolutely horrible by Cassidy. Uh, oh man. It,
0: Will, you're gonna have to bring us up. Know, <laughs> because, no, 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 because it's not my
1: In Your Travels. This is, I was, I wanted it oh, to okay. be Your Travels,
3: walk away from these guys.
1: Yes, <laughs> in Your Travels, be, be, be a sad puss after reading the Hulk, and and, and don't read the Superman story. And it just is, <laughs> but no, my, uh, honestly, my In Your Travels, uh, is, is Moon Knight by Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood and, and, uh, Jordy Belair, uh, uh, up to issue three, which is part three of five. Welcome to New Egypt. Smallwood is on fire. Greg is doing some beautiful work on
3: this That's book. That's a beautiful book, boy.
1: Um,
3: so nice,
1: but it's, um uh, what Lemire's doing is you basically don't know if, well, there's a doctor at the mental hospital telling Mark that everything he's ever done was all in his mind. He's never left this hospital. He's been in this hospital since he was a boy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he just he refuses to believe it. And there are other people in this hospital. He sees Marlene, who's pretty much a vegetable. He sees Crawley. Frenchie is there. Um some of them do know him as Mark Specter. You know, Crawley and Frenchie are like, dude, you know, you you're you're grand, you're Spectre, you're you know, this is we we know who you are. We even got your costume and, and they have his Mr. Knight outfit from the previous volume of of moon night and um they make it to the roof of the of the hospital and he looks out and like all of new york is covered in sand and there's pyramids and and it looks like egypt and um these two orderlies are always beating the shit out of mark uh the, the 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 doctor is um is is made to look like um Emmett, the soul leader, her name is Dr. Emmett, uh, but she looks like, uh, she looks like a crocodile. And, uh, well, at least, at least in Mark's dream when, when he's seeing everything for real, but by the time we get to the, um, Mark is still, you know, he, he's still talking to Kashu and, and, and trying to find out, you know, if, if he really is, um, who he is, who he's supposed to be, uh, they have a um they meet Anubis because they have to cross over and 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 get away from the hospital uh but he he there's a cost he needs a soul uh someone does offer up their soul before um before Bobby and Billy the orderlies show up and uh and they get away and they are uh they're the end of the fifth, the end of the third issue is, is there in New York. And again, though New York is, is there's nothing but sand on the ground and, and there's pyramids and, and, uh, it's, it looks nuts, but it is, it's, it's a head trip, man. There's, there's, you don't know if, if up is up or it, it it's, they're really screwing with Mark with this and, and it's, um, it, it's great. It's, it's a gorgeous looking book, but it is, if, if, basically if you, if you've never read a Moon Knight comic, this would be a good place to start. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with these three issues. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with them and they're, they're nuts. So I'm, I'm on board to see where they're going with this. Cool. Yeah. That's true. I've only read
3: the first one, but it really nice, really good stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Mr. Pyfer.
3: Let's see. I here's um. I don't think I don't think you guys have talked about Fun Home. Oh no. This no not Fun no no. <laughs> um, have you guys talked about the fix at all from Image?
1: No, because Nick Spencer's writing it.
3: Oh, you guys hate Nick Spencer. <laughs> we
1: don't hate. It's
3: is so because he made it. Captain America Nazi. Is no. that it? <laughs> I can't no, just...
1: it's because it's because he's done other things.
3: Oh. Well, I liked. I was a big fan of uh, Superior Foes of Spider Man. I really liked that book.
1: Me too. And
3: um, the same team as Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber. Um, this is. I guess this series is really popular because I think I got the. I've only been able to find the first issue and the third printing of that. But so far, it's a lot of fun. It's not superhero related at all. It's about a couple of cops who were very. Bad cops, they're, they're robbing places and, you know, they got all kinds of drug deals going, but it's all told in a kind of a very dark, comedic way. And, um, good characters. I like the art. There's a lot of, uh, good little tricks Steve Lieber does to kind of tell the story by inset panels and, and little graphics and stuff. And is and,
1: it a period piece or is it modern day?
3: No, it's modern day. Yeah. Okay. They're all in, um, in LA and Hollywood. And as the issue ends, they've got a big, they have to escort a big drug shipment through LAX, and they're worried because the, uh, L- LAPD's top drug officer is stationed there, and as the reveal is, he's a little beagle named Pretzels. It's like a drug sniffing dog. <laughs> and so that's uh, the, the issue, the third printing has a photo cover of this beagle looking up at the word the fix, but it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun, it's a, uh, I mean we're talking about, you know, some comics you read in three minutes. This one will definitely, it'll keep you going. I don't know. It must be, it's a thicker than normal issue, but there's a lot of dialogue, a lot of panels per page, but it's a, it's good, good story. A lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. So the fix, if you like a dark comedic
0: sort of crime drama. So there you go. Cool. I'll put that on the list.
3: And I think, yeah, I, nice. I want to say there's like three issues out or, or, or maybe two, but uh, yeah, it's, it's selling real well. They're in the third printing on the first. So.
1: Wow. Yeah, it's something I was thinking about when um, the when the first trade comes. In. Is it is it an ongoing?
3: It um, I think it is, and you know, to be honest, I like. I'm. I think I'm. I enjoyed the first issue a lot, but I may kind of back off and just wait for the trade then. Which I realize is you know not the way to support the book, but
2: I'll buy the trade <laughs> anyway,
3: so I might as well kind of hold off. And it's not like I don't have a lot of comics. To read in the meantime.
0: (laughs) Truth. It's absolutely true. I find myself doing that a lot. Buying the first issue and it's like, oh, this is awesome. Wait for the trade. Wait for the trade. I know. Yep. I know. Because we're all grown up. We like bookshelves. We got
3: other, you know, we got we got stuff. We got stuff.
0: (laughs) We (laughs) We got got ladies stuff. (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody if you enjoyed what you heard here please do us a super solid and leave us a review somewhere itunes wherever you got this please leave us a review because we really appreciate that and um we would like to thank our buddy our boo mr will peifer for joining us it's always a great time when he's here guys
3: thank you i i had a great time oh i love it i love being part of the show i'm honored i'm honored by the invitation
0: Well, maybe we can get rid of the boy.
3: You know? oh, no,
0: no, no. No? <laughs> hey, you slip uh, up. You only get one chance to slip up. You know what I'm
1: saying? And if you're gone, you get replaced. That's how it works. Especially when it's like, hey, guys, we need to change nights this week. Okay. The next day. Dudes, that ain't going to work. <laughs> okay. So what, what night? No, wait. What What night would you like to do it? Oh, I can't do it any night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Jesus. But we were all hurt. All right, we'll get Will, because he's more better. He's
3: got oh, nothing going
0: on. So <laughs> you yeah. don't have to really ex-
1: want to see the second part of O.J. We don't
0: have to explain. Oh, that O.J.
3: series. That's my in your travels. It's so good.
0: Oh, no, I can't watch it.
3: <gasps> it's so good.
0: I would get infuriated if I watched well, that show. That
3: happens, too, but it's
0: yeah. so good. Speaking of TV, uh, have you watched um, the Netflix Voltron?
1: No. Oh. No. Mm. Uh,
0: it's great. I'm
1: gonna watch, watch your first episode, cause the first episode's an hour, I found out. I, yeah, yeah. I, I usually watch something while I'm on the bike, so I finished Deep Space Nine, and I was like, oh alright, I'll keep going for another half hour, I'll watch the first episode of, oh it's an hour, well then I'll just watch it the next, so I'll, I'll watch it tomorrow.
0: No, it's really great. Um we're looking for stuff to replace, my daughters and I watch TV, and if I tell you what I watch, you'll be like, dude. Yeah, well. <laughs> All right, Grey's Anatomy. Uh, dude. It's- we love Grey's Anatomy. I'm sorry. I love yeah. it. And uh we're nearing the end now. And they're like, what are we going to do to replace it? So I was like, all right, how about this Voltron? So we watched the first episode, and Mia was like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Nina fell asleep about 15 minutes into it. So there you go. That shows you.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was
0: fantastic. It's it's. A lot like, you know, the, the source materials, but it's, um, there's a lot of, um, I don't know what they call it, but when they do the, the, the CGI rotoscoping on the lions, like you could tell they're, they're being helped in the animation. Mm -hmm. Like it's not by hand. It's definitely not by hand when the lions pop in, but that's okay. They did that with transformers, um, a lot of the newer series, they're, they're. I don't know what the name of it is. I'm just going to call it rotoscoped, where they do this CAD thing, where they have help from a computer yeah, to that. position the, you know, the 3D view of the, the robot, and um, it, I think it looks great. So yeah, Voltron. Excellent. And it's funny. All right, everybody, thank you for being here. We thank Will Pfeiffer for being here. David, thanks you for being here because he loves you so much that he cannot live another moment without you here. Join us here next week, same time, and David will say good night. David. Good night? <laughs> David.
1: So good. You're so giddy to do it too. Alright everybody <laughs> well, yeah, I gotta make sure I'm back on track after Jason did it. Yeah, he didn't right. do it did he do it well? I don't remember. He he did it he did a great job. He did it okay. But it's not the same. It's thing.
3: not the original.
1: No. Well because no. it's not why would he say goodnight David? You had to say goodnight Jason. That's just Yeah, it was story. all the beatboxing in the background. Well, you know,
0: he's got strobe lights. and yeah, the players. Yes <laughs> Bye. Peace. Say goodnight, good night, Goodnight. Good night.